This is an emergency broadcast from Radio Free Istvan. All Imperial forces, stay away from Istvan 5. The fort flooding in of a massacre on the Black Sands. Horus has revealed his hand and gathered yet more traitorous Primarchs to his side. Ferris Manus is dead. Vulcan and Korax are missing. Stay safe, brothers, and stay away from the Istvan system. The Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Free Istvan listeners? And welcome to a special edition of Radio Free Istvan. Uh, this episode of Radio Free Istvan, we're actually going to be covering all of the new updates that you'll find in Horus Heresy version 1. So that's going to be the new Age of Darkness Red Book that just dropped on Christmas Day for pre-order. The digital copy came down and uh, all of those... Uh, we actually, if you recall, we actually broke the system uh, for the ordering platform because there were so few people that were ordering this book because 8th edition killed heresy. And, well, here you are, you know. But, anyway. Uh, so... So what do we got today, Ryan? What are we what are we going over here? Well, we uh, we all basically bought the digital. I bought a hard copy and then also a digital copy, and I know you did too because I ordered your hard copy. Um, I think Scott just got the digital right now, right? Yep, just the digital. I'm fucking okay. So anyway, we all have the access to the digital, and we all kind of looked at it and found changes. And then what happened was, I got with Alistair from Legion of Lies. Powerful. Um, I just basically got on, yeah, I got on the Wolf Layer podcast chat and was like, hey, who wants to help me find these rulebook changes? And he volunteered. So I Skyped with Alistair for like five, I think it was five and a half hours. And I had the new rulebook and I would read. I started the beginning and started reading. And he was reading the old rulebook and any changes that we caught, write down the page number and what changed. Guys, we literally went through it word for word. Good lord. Powerful, powerful Alistair over at Legion of Lies. If you haven't gone and checked them out yet, go hit them a like on Facebook and go listen. Powerful, powerful Legion of Lies. And powerful Ryan Kimmel for his uh for his in-depth review of the new book. My goodness. I even found some things that I'm like, man, this is cool. This must be a change. And I went, and I'm like, fuck, this always existed, and I wasn't taking advantage of it. There's like two <laughs> or three things I found that I never knew were a fucking thing. Uh, so, like... And, uh, and I know you're going to ask me, what are those? And I've already forgotten. <laughs> but I, I made a mental note. Hey, don't forget this. You can use this in a game. And then I forgot. Then I promptly forgot. So I promise you that uh, I was doing the exact same thing. Like I, I, I do not know the rules as well as the powerful Ryan Kimmel. But I for sure kept going to the back of the digital rule book, looking at the the index, and then I'd be like, "Hey, let's see what changed in this," and then it'd like fly me back, and I'd be like, "Oh, that's fucking bad." Oh, that's all. That's how it's always been. Okay, never mind. Like, no, oops, that's not crazy. So, anyway, I totally forgot, man. So we're not running with the full crew today. We're missing Derek, but uh, my name is Michael. I got my powerful co-host Scott here. Go and say what's going on, Scott. Good evening. We got powerful Ryan Kimmel, and he's got a guest with him. Yep, this is my buddy Jacob. How's it going, guys? Uh, we had Chris on not too many episodes ago. This is my other co-host of my Dark Age podcast, Jacob. Um, Jacob also plays 30K, and yep. he's played 40K for a long time. Yep. Um, so he's just another guy for the game club. We were supposed to... Re- so that what happened last time that Chris was on, me and Chris were supposed to just be hanging out and doing some airbrushing, and then we ended up recording an episode... 
and he just jumped on with me. Jacob came over tonight, and Chris was supposed to be here too. And we were supposed to record our Dark Age podcast, but Chris uh, stood us up because mm. he's he's old and has Alzheimer's, or has died of old age somewhere, <laughs> or something. And I will feel really bad if that's the truth, but it's a joke right now. So hopefully it's not real. I mean, then I'll it, feel bad. We'll it, have to go back and edit this. It's extreme weather, man. You can never tell with the elderly. You know, it's just you got to keep an eye on them. You got to check on them. Yeah. So as but, well, um, as well, guys, we, you know, we got, we got powerful Jacob with us. And, and of course, you know, we also have at our backs right now, the entire crusader host. We're, we're actually playing this live for all of our Patreon crusader host. So I'm pretty sure all the questions are going to start rolling in uh, as we talk about this. And, and so shout out to all you crusader host. Alistair actually we might regret. <laughs> <laughs> powerful Alistair in the chat. Nick actually called out to, uh, to Jacob, I believe, and called you Scooter. Is that right? Am I missing something? Yep, that's me. Oh, that's you. Yeah, oh, like he, Scooter I, Scott. I'm I'm not I'm not familiar with this title. Don't don't <laughs> give me that. Don't put that evil on me. <laughs> I don't know. Your mom started calling me that one day. It stuck. So. <laughs> all right. So how do we want to do this, Ryan? I know you've got a big fat list in front of you of all the different changes that you knew. And I guess we're just going to roll down. If you have the digital copy, uh, of course, you know you can follow along with us. Uh, if you don't have the digital copy, you can wait for your book. But we are going to be providing page numbers that all these changes are on. Uh, we're reading this off under the assumption that you already are familiar with the 7th edition uh, Warhammer rules. And so this will just kind of be a what has changed, You know, what do you need to know uh, transitioning into Horus Heresy. And so... Uh, into Horse Heresy version one. And so uh, Ryan's got page numbers in front of him. He's got three pages worth of changes. So I don't know, man. I'm I'm ready to kick this off whenever y'all are ready. Okay, let's go. All right, so first so, page. What's <laughs> What are we looking at? Well, hang on, hang on. So the, the first thing we need to say or talk about is I would say a vast majority of the FAQ, like 7th edition 40K rules team, like six months before they killed seventh edition and yep. went to eighth. Um, a lot of that FAQ I figured would be integrated in this and they actually didn't. So there's a whole lot of stuff from that FAQ that they just didn't bother including in the book. Maybe it was because the wording is obvious and because a lot of that FAQ was just to me, obvious shit. If, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And and it was just more like people asking what I... I guess there's no dumb questions, technically, but let's be real here. Sometimes there are dumb questions. It was just them asking questions that probably really didn't even need to be asked anyway. So I guess that's why they didn't implement it or change the wording. I don't know. We need to get clear that there's a lot of things that... I mean, who knows, man? Maybe they could have, you know, popped those FAQs open and and realized, like, hey, man, that's not in the that's not in the spirit of the game. Let's dump them. Let's get them out of here. Okay. So, so with that in mind, the very first thing, I guess that it changed in the FAQ or was made clear in the FAQ that they didn't Im implement in the rulebook is if you go to page twenty six. Um, let me find it here so I can point it out. Uh, in the psychic phase, under mastery levels, 
It says, the number of psychic powers a psyker can use each turn depends on their mastery level. Um, it doesn't, like, extrapolate or expand upon that. Like, it just, like, makes this statement. But it doesn't say, like, you can use more than one or less than whatever. It doesn't say, like, if you're mastery level three, you can use three. Or if you're mastery level three, you can only use two. It just says it's based on your mastery level, but doesn't actually explain what the fuck that means. So obviously, like, they intend it to be one for one, but they don't exactly spell it out into detail, which the FAQ did. Kind of, That's a slight change from the FAQ. So, I mean, I would just continue to play it the way they obviously intended it, which is one for one. <laughs> They're all, surely people understand this. Surely. God damn it, they don't get it. <laughs> Get an FAQ ready. Um... So the next change was, so I don't really, so it's on page, it's going to be weird because you think I'm skipping ahead, but I'm not. So in the old 7th edition rulebook, in the Psychic Phase section, under Conjuration, which I can't tell you that page number because it's in the old book, when it came to Conjuration and Summoning Demons, it's, it had a little blurb to the side that said if you summoned a unit of lesser demons and it had access to a champion, a banner, or a musician, you could, and you had the models for it, when you summoned a unit, you could get those upgrades for free. You just put the models down, and they counted as having those upgrades for free. That is cut out of this particular rulebook, so it's just deleted. So the new demon summoning rules are on page 192 of the new book, and it doesn't include that blurb. So... Was that blurb ever present in like the what was it sixth edition Demons Codex, or was that no? It was always big... in the core rulebook. Okay, okay. It was part of the Conjuration in the core rulebook. Okay. It had a little side a side that said Chaos Demons, and then it said if you summon a unit of it, it's on page uh, twenty twenty seven of the of the rulebook. It actually says has, if conjure okay of, of the seventh right yeah of seventh of edition the seventh rulebook. rulebook yeah. So this isn't a thing anymore. This is not a thing. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, it actually says if Conjuration Power creates a unit from Codex Chaos Demons and that unit army list entry includes the option to take an Icon of Chaos, an Instrument of Chaos, and or the option to upgrade one model to a character, you may take any of these model options for free if you have the appropriate model available. Unless stated otherwise, the unit cannot take any further upgrades. That's gone. It's out there. No more. Yeah, that's gone. So that's, that's gone. It didn't change. It literally has just been removed. So... The next change is on page 32 of the, the new rulebook under the Discipline of Demonology. We just changed it to fit 30K. The 40K version used to mention some shit about Grey Knights and Codex Demons. And this one, obviously there are no Grey Knights, so it doesn't mention them anymore. And it, it tells you who has access to demonology, which should only be word bearers and the Primarch Lorgar. So basically, they just changed demonology to be 30k specific, where before it was 40k specific in the old rulebook. So nothing nothing that would have made any difference if you were just playing Heresy anyway, other than... I mean, but even then, demonology was already limited anyway. So... Right. Right, but I'm just saying that it is a change in the actual core rules. So to to ask then, did they keep him? I know they kept the you perils on any doubles yes, or sanctic or malicious. That's the same. That's okay. still the same. It says uh, 
Psychers with the demon special rule can manifest malefic powers as they would any other psychic powers, but cannot generate Santic. Psychers that attempt to manifest a power um, from either Santic or malefic discipline suffers a perils on a psychic test that includes any result of a double. Yeah, regardless so, of whether or not the power successfully casts. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. And so, so that's still in there. Yeah, and so uh, so before we were ahead, we were relying on all of the army books to update which units could or which which armies could take that, but now it's just in the core rules. Anything that gets made from here on out, unless it's a demon or a word bearer, cannot take any sort of uh, uh, demonics. Uh, I guess. Well, uh, it says unless it's specifically stated in their army list entry, no psyker may generate from demonology. Yeah. So right now, the only ones that currently in their entry can are the Primarch Lorgar and Wordbearers Librarians. And obviously, well, maybe Demons when they come out. Well, actually, Demons are in the rulebook now on page 192, mm -hmm. and it specifically says they can. Yeah, right. yeah, as a placeholder until. Yeah, so sorry. Uh, and forward. Thousand Suns. Thousand Suns can't. Oh, no, it's Mag only Magnus. Magnus says Sanctic. Magnus has access to Sanctic. He's the only yep. model in the game that has access to Sanctic currently. Oh, he did nothing wrong. He did fucking <laughs> for real, just just meddling away. He, he invented the. Yeah. He's actually the. He's father a big of Thousand that. Sons player. Yeah, he's the father of that discipline. And there's there's some spoilery stuff that happens in Ten Thousand Years about likely story. <laughs> you know, uh, just saying, Magnus never peed on the Emperor's rug. So yeah. <laughs> okay, so are we good on that? We're good on that, man. Very clear. So the next change, let me find it here. Page 43. Page 43. So remember the FAQ, the, 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 it was never clear. So basically ordinance is back to contradicting again because the FAQ said that you could snap fire ordinance weapons unless they had a blast type. And now under ordinance weapons, it has a statement. It says, uh, ordnance weapons cannot fire snapshots. Just period. So if you, that means if you on page seven. Oh, okay. Hang on, hang on. If you go to page seventy-one, um, under ordnance on vehicles, <laughs> it says a vehicle or uh, a vehicle that moved cruising speed can still snapshot ordnance, although it cannot fire any ordnance that cannot be fired as snapshots. So you have to, I guess that maybe the vehicle, like, so the ordnance rule specifically states it can never be fired as snapshots, but I guess you could say that on a vehicle, this specific vehicle rule overrides that because it states that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd assume that that would mean like the most specific instance overrides. So like your infantry, that's not in Terminator armor or doesn't have relentless, whatever. Well, even that, I mean, because yeah. this is only specific oh, yeah, to the vehicle specific, section, but I, yeah, infantry cannot like take this big, whatever it is that's ordinance, like your master of signal. Yeah. You can't hump that around and then suddenly snap fire that. Yeah. Right. So I guess, I mean, once again, I mean, the FAQ, this question, it didn't change the rules. It just answered this question. So, I mean, if you want to go on past precedence of the FAQ plus the way it's worded, it seems to me to mean vehicles can snap fire ordnance if they're not blast, but nothing else in the game can snap fire ordnance. I'm cool mm -hmm. with that. 
but but it, I mean, but, rules wise, it like it you know it, you'd have to pull up the old FAQ for that to happen. So as of right now, the way the rules are actually written, maybe I mean maybe yeah. Well, to me, the way the rules are actually written, it says ordinance can't snap fire, but then under vehicle rules, it says a vehicle moving at cruising speed can still snap fire in that instance. Fire. Yeah, that's the one time yeah. it can snap fire, but like you're still losing out on you know jinking vehicles or you know like so. I mean that that's not included in the incident. That's not included in the uh Right. Yeah. So it's kind of a weird thing. It's like they either need to readopt the FAQ or just fucking they never snap fire like everybody played before or whatever. But I'm just pointing it out. Yeah. And even because then, it you is know, a change. It's, it's like, you know, can can it move cruising speed and jink and then still be able to snap fire because it was moving cruising speed? Like I don't know. It, it's definitely something that Or if it's wait. stunned? If it's Wait. if it's stunned or shaken and you have to snap fire like a sicker inventor. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. That's part of why that rule is in there. If your sicker inventor moves cruising speed, it can opt to fire everything else and then snap fire the ordnance weapon. Because once you fire ordnance, you have to snap everything else on the vehicle. So if you end up in a position with a venator where you really need to fire heavy bolters and I don't know, you're playing for the fuck of it. But you can't. Them. You can't fire the heavy bolters at full ballistic skill and then snap fire the ordnance. It doesn't work. If you fire the ordnance at all, you have to snap fire the other weapon. You can't just change the order in which you fire to get around the rule. Yeah. I, I guess I I figured that would be like the elective fire mode that would end up where you would be snap firing direct fire ordnance. Nah, it basically just says if you move cruising that you can snap fire it. But it's fucking weird because it says it can't snap fire in the... Anyway, let's get off this. Yeah, yeah. It fucking either needs FAQ'd or just don't ever fucking don't, snap fire. Don't snap fire it's not that big of a fucking deal. <laughs> like that's how everybody played it before was just no one snap fired. Then when the FAQ came out, you could snap fire uh, you know, in all instances of snap fire unless it's a blast. So just fucking pick one way or the other in your game club and play it that way. And if you have an <laughs> FAQ, fucking choose one until they do something about it. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um Next one is on page, or sorry, 65. Page 65. Um, off to the side, they put, they put in the little immobile artillery blurb. The little immobile artillery blurb used to be a Forge World-specific rule that was spread throughout in weird fucking places of the Red Books and was never in the core rules. Now it's actually included in the artillery section of the core rules, so it's easy to find. So it didn't change. It's just that it, it's actually put into the core rules as opposed to being in a random fucking spot in a sub book that you most people weren't even aware that it existed. Okay, right. I, I was about to ask since it's been brought up, does this address the cake FAQ at all, or is that still present? For no, it's still present. I mean, I I think it's pretty fucking obvious, but people, it's one of those to me the duh yeah. question. But there are a well, few. I, people out there yeah, that, I listened to, to the episode yeah, you guys had on that. want to claim that drop pods are immobile, even though they're not. Because they count as moving at fucking cruising speed when they land, and then, as immediate, their rule, and then suffer an immobilized themselves. result. Yep. And then on top of that, there are two... I know there's weeks of war that disallow immobile units, but then simultaneously unlock drop pods. Mm -hmm. And then when it says, in the actual restriction, it says cannot take immobile units to me referring specifically to unit type yep. which is what this is yep so yeah came to last me, episode too I mean, <laughs> for the the one in a thousand people that 
really get confused with words. I mean, I, I'm if you're that person, I'm just done arguing with you. Like, <laughs> no one plays it that way. Sorry. Um. Anyway. Uh. By the way, cool picture on page sixty-five there so, of two warhounds fucking leveling a leveling a. Uh, Oh, that's we can bring that up. Like we'll talk about that at the end, like the overall quality of the book and the art and stuff like that. But there's a really I can't remember what page it's on, but there's like a full fucking page of a uh, uh, a Thanatar. That's actually page sixty nine, but we'll get there later. But that's probably the cool one of the coolest pictures in the book is on page sixty nine. With some makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> um, so. The other thing that changed in the actual core rulebook was they included the super heavy walker uh, movement FAQ. It's out now actually written into the core rules. And which page is that on? So before, I'm trying to find it here. Here we go. Walkers, tanks, super heavy, super heavy walkers. So page 93. Okay. So if you turn um, your books to page 93. It says... Yeah, it says they move 12, which has always been the case, and if moving within difficult terrain, double the result of the highest died rolled when rolling for difficult terrain. That was not ever in the core rules. It was specifically in an FAQ. Now they've taken it out of the FAQ and actually placed it into the core rules. Which is what you would expect. And that is how everybody's playing it, yep. so I'm glad that it kind of worked its way in there. Um. So then the next... Page 102. These were subtle. It was like... It, um, I'm glad we spotted them. Actually, it's on page 101. Sorry, I lied. Page 101. Battlefield There's debris. a table yep, that has battlefield debris. If you read through, all of the debris ha has an assigned cover save now. So like, uh, for example, the ammunition dump at the end, it says it gives you a 5 plus cover save. And the gun emplacement says that it gives you a... 4 uh, cover save. Where's it at? Four up cover save. So before those weren't present. So basically before you had pieces of terrain that were ambiguous as to what kind of cover save they gave. So now they've actually went through and put in a cover save so you know exactly what type of save each of these offer. Um, also in the gun emplacement section, after, you, after the stats of the gun, there's a little, like another sentence that says, the weapons a gun emplacement is equipped with are listed on its data sheet. That wasn't ever, that wasn't a sentence before. So it was kind of like ambiguous as to what a gun emplacement was and what it's fucking, how it shot and what its gun was. So they just added a sentence to, so it's basically like armed with, which once again, it's a duh thing, but they did at least add it. Fair enough. Um, also, if you look at the uh, imposing statuary, they changed that to be 30K relevant. It <laughs> used to say models of the Imperium benefited from it, but obviously, like, that doesn't... That's for 40K. Yeah. So they actually changed it to, before the game begins, you decide whether it's basically for the Warmaster, for the Emperor, and then that side or the other benefits from it, which is actually pretty cool that they actually thought that out far enough that they included it. It says, at the start of the game, all terrain pieces designated as imposing statuary must be noted as being dedicated to either the loyalist or traitor cause. Models of the same legion as a terrain piece gain the fearless special roll within 
whilst within two inches of imposing statuary. Very cool. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. So that's 30K specific now. Um, on page 104, um, there's nothing really specific on that page. It's just the start of the fortification rules. And I wanted to point it out that they took all the elements that they wanted to keep from Stronghold Assault and put them in the rule book. So I'm not going to go through all of it because it already existed in Stronghold Assault, but just know that the vast majority of the Stronghold Assault rules are now written into the core rules starting on page 104. So that that's absolutely going to change, you know, quite a bit of how the game is currently being played, I would imagine, especially with these building damage tables now being written into the core rules. You know, right. you, you can actually yeah. start so it's, it's, <laughs> you can start incorporating these large buildings into games and you don't have to have that second book but I mean even if you're looking at like events and stuff and people are hiding in buildings or things like that you have this building damage table and you have the rules for attacking buildings now so that that is going to change quite a bit of the way how the how the game is played even outside of fortifications yeah so so the next change is a fairly minor change, but I thought I would bring it up just so people don't get confused. Starting on page 112 and then on page also page 113 and 114, um, these units that are listed in here as data sheets, it just says defense line, defense emplacement, and bunker. These in 40K were called the Wall of Martyrs defense line, the Wall of Martyrs defense emplacement, and the Wall of Martyrs bunker. So basically they just changed the name and got rid of the Wall of Martyrs part and just, uh, you know, just bunker, defense line, whatever. But I, I thought it was important to point out so that if people were like looking for the Wall of Martyrs shit or whatever, they know that it doesn't, it's not called that anymore in 30K. It just is called a bunker or a defense line. Absolutely. Understood. Uh, so that's, that's a slight change. Um, if on page 115 and 116 on the Firestorm Riddow and the Vengeance Weapon Battery, both of those in 40K had a Punisher Cannon option. That has been deleted from the unit entries. So there are no more Vengeance Weapon Batteries with Punisher Cannons or Firestorm Riddows with. So just Punisher go ahead and rip cannon. that off your model and throw it away. Yeah. I was going to say, so Battle Cannons and the uh, Firestorm still has the uh, laser batteries? Yeah, you can have the Quad Icarus Laz Cannon, a Battle Cannon, an Icarus Cannon, or a Quad Gun on the Firestorm. Cool. And then on the Vengeance Weapon Battery, you can have an Icarus Laz Cannon or a Battle Cannon. <clears throat> so, um, so that those, the entries for those slightly changed. Um, then the other thing that's it's weird. I didn't once again. I didn't give a specific page number. It's it's part of the data sheets. Like if you read through, the data sheets that they included are the Aegis defense line, the Bastion, the defense line, the defense emplacement, the bunker, the Firestorm Redow, the Vengeance weapon battery, the Macro cannon Aquila strong point, which is the Eagle penis cannon. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> and then the Vortex missile launcher, which is the Eagle penis cannon, missed of the turret with just the missiles. Um, it's not what is here in these entries. It's the entries that are totally missing. So if you notice anymore for the landing pad, the, the Aquila landing pad no longer exists. 
the void shield generator doesn't exist. The Promethean pipes don't exist. The generators don't exist. The plasma obliterator building, I forget what that thing's called, doesn't exist. The cargo containers don't exist. Um, that being said, if you still wanted to... So, technically, that stuff, I guess, isn't available anymore because they didn't choose to include it. So, by not choosing to include it, that what you will. Um, that being said, if you want to use it, here, there's a section on building house-made terrain. Yeah, so it's on, on page 108, Michael, if you want to read it out under scratch-built terrain. So on page 108 under scratch-built terrain, it says many players enjoy build, making their own terrain features from scratch. That's the term scratch-built terrain. And it's also possible to improvise a perfectly usable set of terrain using everyday objects at hand. Players that do so will need to devise their own data sheets for the terrain models they have created. Don't worry, this is very easy if you use the rules and data sheets presented here as examples of how to do so. For example, if you choose to use both the Basilica Administratum and the Sanctus Imperialis models to make a single large ruin mounted on a scenic base, you and your opponent could agree that this piece of scratch-built terrain would use the rules for ruins and have the benevolent light special rule on page 121. So basically what you could do if you still wanted to use your Aquila landing pad, just talk to your opponent and say, hey, I want to use just use the old data sheet and treat it as scratch-built terrain mm -hmm. that you wrote a quote-unquote custom data sheet for that's really just the old Games Workshop one. If that makes sense. Yeah, just don't plan on taking that to Adepticon. But, you know, <laughs> that's just... Yeah, well, I mean, they don't, they don't fucking allow... They don't allow fortifications anyway. So yeah. just basically ask your TO what you're doing, or if you play um, house games or just whatever, ask your opponent. Just try to use basically that. So you could probably still get away with using that stuff in some places and using the old data sheet. Just check beforehand. Oh, the other thing that's not available anymore is the Dark Angel Barbie Dream Castle, the uh, Fortress of Redemption. It's not here anymore. Mm. Mm. Sorry, um, boys. Sorry, Dark Angels players. So they did include, so the they did include the Shrine of the Aquila, the Manifactorum, the Ballistica Administratum, the Sanctum Imperialis, the Battlescape, the Crashed Imperial Lander, the Twisted Cosp, the Moonscape, <clears throat> and that's it. So they have all the fortifications that I named, and then these key terrain pieces that I named. Um, change. If you go to page one. And on page, what page was this? I'm one, sorry. Well, yeah, one sixteen and one seventeen. If you look at the macro cannon and the vortex missile, if you look at what they, uh, what uh, type of unit they are, they're now lords of war. They used to just be fortifications, so you could like take a lord of war, and then take one of these as your fortification. Now it takes the lord now, of war slot. Very cool. Correct. So it's kind of like, it makes them more in line with the heresy ones that are the big, super powerful fortifications that um, are, you know, count as Lords of War. So that's something you need to keep in mind. You can't just throw a macro cannon battery in your 1,500-point list or whatever, because it's a Lord of War now. You need to keep your laws off my body, Ryan. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. so this next one... <laughs> is a really, really big one, and we're going to... I guess we can just go over it all at once, Michael said, um, or however he wants to do it. Yeah. But on page 
on page 130 um, and then through page 132. So page 130, 131, and 132, they drastically changed the way Lords of War work in Heresy. And what I mean by that is when they came out with the, sp the latest Space Marine Army List update, they put that updated Age of Darkness rules in there, and a lot of people wanted to say that was for Space Marines only. Um, but to me, the way it was worded, because it said updated rules for the Horus Heresy, like to me it was a system-wide update, but it was very poorly rolled out. Like they put it in a weird fucking spot, like in a Marine book. But that is the case. Like that was meant to be for everyone. So this now updates that Lord of War system for every single army out there. So all armies will use this system for their Lords of War now, as far as I can tell. Absolutely. That's uh that's exactly how it was designed is what it is what it looks like at this point. I mean this overrides everything. Right. Um so uh, the key changes within this are the first one I want to read out, which this actually answers uh, one of our FAQ questions. The suborbital strike wing, if you want to read out what it says now, Michael. Uh, it's it on says, page 131. It says one to three flyers with up to three hole points, all from the same army list entry, and chosen either from the same army list as that's used to form the army's primary detachment or chosen from the panoply of war list opposite. This wing arrives from reserves as a single unit. They must interplay from within six inches of the eligible point of the edge, but are afterwards treated entirely separately. So what's important about that is the same army list. Uh, yeah. So that means, like, if, say, you play Marines, Xiphons and Lightnings are in your army list. So you can now take a suborbital wing of Xiphons or Lightnings and then still also take... Avengers because they're in the optional list. Absolutely. So it gives you before you could only take Thunderbolts and Avengers, and now it opens you up to also flyers within your core list. The or, the odd one in here, which I don't think it I don't think it counts. It does, but it doesn't. Is Anvilus drop pods? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was about to ask. <laughs> because the weird the weird thing about that is. They have to, they in the Anvilus rule, so they are flyers, so technically you could take them, but the way the Anvilus rules work is they must interplay via Deep Strike Reserve, but the way this is worded is they all have to come in at the same time and land within six inches. So does that mean if you did it, you get all three Anviluses turn one, and how does that interact with the drop pod assault rule? And it just opens up a whole fucking can of worms. Dude, for real. So, I know. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm just, just <laughs> I'm just thinking about drop pod assault with like fucking contemptor talents right now. And like, like how, how that's already fucked. And now we got this. Somebody's going to try and get their red <laughs> yeah. claws so, without taking up their, to be honest, I don't think that that that's intended. I really, really don't. I think that they think of a, an anvilus as a drop pod that also has a flyer mode. And they just included flyer in the name but I don't really think they technically consider it a flyer when they write rules for these flyers. Um, I'm sure people are going to fucking try to flame me on the internet over that and say that I'm writing house rules and blah, 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 blah. But it's, I'm telling you for the sanity of everyone involved, just fucking ignore the fact that yeah. you can right. technically exactly. don't go and take a good thing and turn it into a big pile of steaming shit. Yeah. Like just last Star Wars. Analyst, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So Sorry, there, there's just I there's that one in there. Yeah, there, there's too much. There's too much. Uh, like too much rules that wouldn't make sense because they'd have to interplay from within six mm-hmm. inches of the same eligible point on the table's edge. And, and so, like, you're, it's like, okay, so yeah, are you deep striking onto the edge? Like, honestly, though, this is probably an FAQ no, cake question the in the fu- for the future. It, it probably is an FAQ question, but, I mean, I'm, like, 99.99 infinite. I'm sure they're just going to say you can't take anvilises as part of a fucking silver world away. Yeah. Okay. So that that's, that's yes, that is confusing. It's FAQ question in the future. But the things that it did open up totally override the uh, – the, and, and, totally override the 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 negativity that that comes out of this so right and you're talking this is a we're talking about a single entry and a single army list that kind of fucks with this all none of the other army lists i believe i don't think nobody else has access to drop pods or anything that would be weird no man now you can have like fucking a suborbital strike wing of three arvis if you wanted like you can have uh, three lightning a fucking <laughs> super light- heavy elimination team of three lightnings yeah <laughs> fucking <laughs> I see your goddamn Titan, and I raise you this <laughs> twelve crack. Well, and like you yeah. can you can structure some stuff where like now you can have two lightnings escort like your Marauder or your Avenger or you would have to yeah yeah, yeah. because you could take your Mar- well you could do that before because you could take them as fast and your Marauder is heavy, but, but they but they didn't have anything where they'd all come in at the same time and. Right. Yeah, but you couldn't but, take I mean, a marauder. Yeah. You, you couldn't take a marauder like, in the. Your you, lightning you the, go, yeah, yeah, you get the thematic element, but not. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'd have to take onslaught in order to get two Lords of War to yep. get the lightnings and the marauder. But mm. okay. Yep. Yeah, getting three lightnings in on the at the same time is pretty fucking dope. So that's um that's a good time. Yeah. Um. So the other big change that there's going to be some people really mad about. I think it's actually better for the overall health of the game, and to me, it's fluffier this way. But I, there's going to be people out there that are mad. This is going to be a divisive comment I'm about to make when I'm saying that. <laughs> I know exactly what you're about to say. Under the old War Machine detachment, this is the old one. So the old one, uh, it used to say super heavy vehicles of the same type one used to say you could take a war machine detachment of one to two super heavy vehicles of the same type each with a whole points value of eight or less and each chosen from the specific army list for the primary detachment meaning things in your actual army list or the Questorus Knights army list found in the Crusade Imperial Alice army list or the optional super heavy list found on page 10 so that was the old one and so, Michael, one, do you want to read the new yeah. one? The new one's called a War Machine Squadron, <laughs> and it says, one to two super heavy vehicles from the same army list entry, each with a whole point value of eight or less, and each chosen from the same army list as that used to form the primary detachment or from the Penelope of War list found opposite. These vehicles must be deployed within six inches. And Anyway, they completely remove the Questorus list from that, from that option. No longer include a one-off knight in an army list, unless you're Mechanicum because they have them in their army list, uh, or you're actually a knight army, obviously. So the only way to put knights in an army list that's not knights or Mechanicum is to ally them. So you're going to have to have a minimum of two knights. You're going to have to take one as an HQ and one as a troop at a minimum. The biggest thing affected by this 
is the um the porphyron. Now, now I've got I've got somebody who's saying the porphyron is not going to be hit like this like we think it is because it's got the knightly rank rule, so it can actually get moved out of Lord uh out of the Lord of War choice. Yeah, but the knightly rank rule only works, works with for Westoris. the knight list. Yeah, it only works with it the only Westoris works knight list. Army list. Oh, it only works if you take them as your primary detachment. Yeah. Oh. As in the yeah. So anyway, the Porphyron, because it's a Lord of War choice, you can't take a Lord of War in an allied detachment. Your Lord of War has to come from your primary detachment, which if you're allying knights, it's obviously not that way. And a Porphyron now is to run a Questorus Knights list as primary. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which to me is fluffy because it's supposed to be the super ultra rare, rare war machine just running. Oh, here's my poor fire on. I'm not saying, hey, you're 100% trying to be a cheese dick. I'm just saying it didn't really fit the fluff like that. That was the one fucking night. Like, let's be honest here of the one off nights. Every one was the goddamn Atropos or the fucking poor which are like it's supposed to be the two rarest chassis. Yeah. And that's the ones you saw the most because people would always run those as the one offs. Uh. Real quick, Ryan, I know this is going to sound like a probably contrary to what you're saying right now, but um, what what do, have we ever gotten a single identifier of what qualifies as a Titan? Um, it, it'll say it's a Titan in the fucking name. Okay, so but I know I know that has been an issue where it's like you know you know people take the uh, uh, the Titan squads or you know the the I mean. If not, I mean, it, the I think, old... don't Secutarii require like Warhound or larger? Yeah, I don't think they work with any of the knights. Right. Okay. So, so because because I know you know Knight Titan used to be a thing and all that stuff. Because the only thing I can think of is is if they get that qualifier in there. So, so the Porphyron absolutely not a Titan. Right. Okay. Knight. So, so yeah. So if they if the knights ever get the qualifier Titan, then you could take them. In the engine of destruction, but until that happens, they're 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 gone. Allies only. Yeah, so they could technically, I guess, fix if they if they didn't purposefully exclude it, which I don't know how it's not on purpose. They literally had to go in and delete the line. Right. They copy and pasted it, changed the name, and deleted the line. So, to me, it's a hundred percent intended that they didn't want. Which to me, it's a lot fluffier. Like, why did you always have these just one offs? Like, to me, it's way more fluffy to make you have to take an allied detachment where you're actually allying in a knight house to use them or running them as primary as opposed to just having one fucking knight running around. I gotcha. And and I feel like it makes you actually pick a stronger theme for your list and come up with a more creative idea on how you use them and be more committed to using them instead of just using it as a fucking splash to make your list more powerful or whatever. Absolutely. I mean, here we are. I mean, they, these are the rules now. <laughs> but that, these are the rules. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's just my feelings on it. I don't think it's a negative, but I mean, there are going to be some people like our friend Alex. He just got one. He just got a Perfiron. Yeah. And doesn't it, have any other knights. It like just got out of the paint shop like two weeks ago. He hasn't gotten to play a game with it yet, and this just came out. Looks like he better buy two more. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't encourage him, Scott. So now Alex is. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so that's a thing now. So so that's on page 
Yeah, 130. So the other big change to Lords of War is actually on page 132. They keep referencing this uh, uh, Panoply of War rule. Um, yep. <clears throat> this works now. If you want to uh, read it, Michael, start with that second paragraph where it says some. So it says some of the vehicles listed as follows are now only found in older supplements or other out-of-print sources and may require some minor tweaks in order to work with this updated rulebook. In all cases, any options which refer to war gear no longer available to unit or to units or factions not present in the Age of Darkness should be ignored and players should agree before the game on exactly what rules such legacy vehicles will use for the game. In any of the following vehicles, if any of the vehicles also have an up-to-date Age of Darkness entries in one or more army list available from Forge World, one of these entries, chosen by the controlling player, must be used instead of a legacy entry from an out-of-print title. The list that follows... So this is yeah. huge. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, sorry. So this is huge and great for the game because before, this wasn't spelled out near as clearly as it is now on what profile you used and all that. So, like, before, if you wanted to use a Baneblade, the way it was worded, use the Imperial Armor version of the Baneblade, which was essentially written for 40k, um, which had all the 40k options. So you had, like, a Pennell Stormbolter, have access to Armored Ceramite, shit like that. So this now states you must, it does, it's not optional, you must use a Age of Darkness entry if it's available, regardless of what army list that it's in, even if it's not in yours. And then it just becomes, it, you change it from... So, for example, if you took a Baneblade, you would either have to use the Militia data sheet for a Baneblade out of the Militia army list or the Solar Exilla Baneblade out of the Solar Exilla list. It's your choice. It says it's your choice, but you have to use one of those too. That being said, it's awesome that you're allowed to use those because it has all the up-to-date heresy options, the biggest one being Armored Ceramite. Because before, if you wanted to take like a Baneblade a Shadow Sword, a Storm Lord, or any of that shit for your Marines, you could do it, but then it didn't have Armored Ceramite, and like a five-man Melta team would just come in and you fucking erase it. You spend 500 points to watch your Baneblade explode fucking spectacularly. So. <laughs> so so now when you could, now that you could throw an Armored Ceramite on it, it levels the playing field a little bit. Because before it was like, so I can take a fucking Fellblade for like 60 points more, and it has three more hull points and Armored Ceramite, or I could take the shittier version with less hull points and no armored ceramite and get like like I said, like literally like a thirty point discount. Like it just it wasn't it was dumb. Like nobody was ever gonna take the Bane Blade or any like so this opens up where you're gonna see more of these vehicles taken. Um I already have a uh storm sword that I was always scared to take because I couldn't get armored ceramite for it. And so I got it fucking dripping with assault cans. And it was like 700 fucking points, but it was only nine whole points. Might So it was like, you know, just this huge point sink that would die immediately. Now, with Armored Ceramite, it actually at least gives it a fighting chance where it, it doesn't just die to like tons of shit. <laughs> Easily. Powerful updated rules. I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of people out there that uh, also saw the same conundrum that you saw and now can use their... Bane blades and hell hammers and storm swords and cool shit and crests. Well, it's it's, oh. it's no well, hell hammers not one. Oh yeah, hell so hammers. If you want to read the list, list, you can. Yeah. 
Uh, Bane Blade, Bane Hammer, Storm yeah. Lord, Shadow Sword, Storm Sword are the ones that you would pull. That's the Bane Blade chassis ones. And if you want to read the whole list, you can. It's not that long. So Macarius, Shadow Hammer, Crassus, no Shadow Hammer. You mean the Storm Hammer? Shadow Hammer, no. <laughs> no Shadow, Shadow Hammer. What about the Bane Shadow? The Bane oh, Shadow. <laughs> Scott's being silly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the random name generator. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Shadow Blade? Anyway, the uh, Macarius, Crassus, or any other variant of those vehicles representing any of the innumerable indigenous heavy tanks produced across the Imperium. Uh, Marauder Bombers, Marauder Destroyer, Thunderbolt Heavy Fighter, Crusade Avenger Strike Fighter, and the Minotaur. Oh, Minotaur. You just got to use the Mechanicum rules for that one. Exactly. Is that the artillery that, like, drives backwards yeah double barrel double barrel double barrel basilisk yeah so anyway so i actually like this this is my favorite change like this is makes it clear for everybody um so i i feel like this is a really good change and before it was like vague like remember we just talked about can sisters of silence like if you build an all sisters of silence army could you take a lord of war like or you have a talent well now you obviously can you just use this fucking lord of war, war rules throw in your fucking avenger Suborbital wing or whatever you want to run and have at it. You damn right. Um, the the only problem with this is now you're going to see Custody Stormlords because that's a thing now. Why did you fun. even say it? Like we talk about it, but you didn't have to say it out loud. Uh, <laughs> like now, <laughs> now we're going to see Golden Stormlords everywhere. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway. God. Uh, we're gonna see. Actually, we're gonna see fucking actually, uh, custodian no, 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 little no, star no, no, no. now. <laughs> I'm not mad at. It's a trap. Fucking let him take it. I'll blow it up, and then they all take the strength fucking ten hit and kills the whole fucking guys inside. Do it. <laughs> I dare you. Let's see it. Jesus. I'll roll Christ. them dice. You bitch. I'll roll them dice. <laughs> um, like take an acquisitor fucking. <laughs> well, you better not get out one turn too fucking late because I'm gonna get you out on, on my terms, and you're not gonna like it. Oh. <laughs> my terms are worse. Yeah. <laughs> my terms are worse. Uh, so anyway, so that that's all been updated. Uh, on page one thirty two, if you read how this section on how the force organization charts work, how detachment works, all that shit, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna read through all that, but they spelled out more clearly how detachments work, what counts as what, and all that. So they actually state now, because before it, it was never stated anywhere in here, they state that your Lord of War is the same faction as your primary detachment. It's not It's not part of the primary detachment. So like if you have a rule that says all models in the primary detachment, your Lord of War would not benefit from that. That being said your Lord of War is of the same faction. So if you took a Storm Sword, for example, or, or yeah, a Storm Sword for your Blood Angels, you could still upgrade all the heavy flamers to assault cannons because it still is a Blood, Blood Angel, Angel unit. unit because it counts as your primary. So to ask, because I know I've got Scott here and I know Alex is going to get clued in on that Minotaur thing. What does that mean for Minotaurs with uh, Iron Fire? Is that... Like, is that worth taking at all? Is is that gonna work? You'd have to, I don't. I'm not super okay. familiar with it. I don't think it's a great vehicle. I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> yeah, Scott's like, I'll be in my bunk. It, it looks cool. 
Gotta go. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's more about, like, the aesthetics of, like, hold on, hold on, so I can take more artillery choices in my Lord of War choices? Perturabo, you're sitting in the case. Give me more artillery. I mean, I wouldn't see why not. I mean, if, if it's the Iron Warriors faction, it's not like a, you know, it's just, I don't know, I'll check. I'll check and make sure. Yeah, yeah you could also run that, the the Crassus with the giant missile launcher on the back, the Pylum, the big giant missile launcher thing. Yeah, that fucking thing's pretty dope. So that would work in Iron Fire. So, it's but anyway, cheap. it's really expensive. So so anyway, it just clears all that up. So if if there was there was arguments about that, it clears it up um, on what is what, how it works, how does it function. So just read through that carefully on page one thirty two. We're not going to read it out, but it does um, it, it explain that. Um, uh, yeah, that's on page one thirty two. So, what's the next thing here? Jacob. Oh, sorry. Wrong, wrong sheet of paper. Oh, yeah, go yeah. ahead. If we got a minute, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, it would be fine. And it, like, the rules for Iron Fire doesn't say, it just says barrage weapons at any point target a friendly. So, as long as it's a unit that is friendly to the Iron Warriors and that. Oh, wow. So, you could even take uh, conscripted. There's like, somewhere in there where it says Iron Warriors unit, though. I think it's the fearless part or something like yeah, that. It's further up in the right order. That's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah, ride the Iron Fire. That's unit Iron Warriors units, but yeah, you know, vehicles. Right. But so that's fine. So, you could even take allied militia to get more artillery choices well, in there. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could. It just say, Yeah. It just says Brian. I mean, they're not going to end if we're, we're going to. Iron Warriors fearless from standing around them and you only get the improved accuracy from standing from shooting next to them yeah okay, okay. all right yeah. let's as long as yeah, your yeah, right yeah. of war doesn't say like in regards to the rule book as long as your right <laughs> of war benefits don't include the word your primary detachment i'm guessing is that going to be that's where the the factor is like, well certain ones say like all like for example head of the gorgon says all tanks in your army or yeah. pedarabo's deep strike things says Reserves for your if if Petrov is your warlord, then all reserve rolls in your yeah. army. Yeah. So that would be yeah anything. Okay. So yep. it just depends yeah. if it says army or faction or or whatever. You just have to you know recognize what that means and then read that page and it will explain to you what that fucking means mm -hmm. and then play it that way. Yeah. So, um, just something. Just something the next to look thing out for. is on. Yes. So on page 140, they actually now uh, define what uh, ally-level uh, Talons of the Emperor are. That was a big question before because Talons came out. Um, they weren't on the allied chart. Nobody knew how to treat them. So under Agents of the Emperor or Warmaster on page 140, if Michael wants to read that. It's actually on 139. Uh, but Oh, yeah, sorry. It says, some units are described as Agents of the Emperor notably the Talons of the Emperor, the Legio Casodes, and the Silent Sisterhood, or Agents of the War Master. Uh, in that case, I'd, I think the... Um, the Oh, what is it? The Navigator model Davenite could be an Agent Priest. of the War Master right now, and the Davenite Lodge Priest can be an Agent of the War Master. Uh, these are always treated as sworn brothers to either all Loyalist or all Traitor Forces, respectively. Uh, so, so now you have an idea of what ally level your custodes or sisters are uh to to forces of the imperium or forces of traitors so yeah sorry i got these last two slightly out of order so on page 137 um 
they took the book seven warlord traits and just basically copy and pasted them, but they left out all of the tactical traits, which had to do with Maelstrom cards. So they basically scrubbed fucking Maelstrom from uh, Imperial Records, and it's no longer a thing. Yeah, that actually presses forward onto the uh, Scryer's Gaze right. power. Later. Well, I got that written yeah. down, but yeah. So there is no more tactical... Like, there, you can't select a Warlord Trader role on that chart that allows you to manipulate the Maelstrom deck, and that's not a thing anymore. Damn, I really did enjoy the Maelstrom deck. I don't know if I'm in the minority, but I did enjoy the the deck. That's okay. It's gone now. Well, I mean, well, you can still play that, I guess. You're just not going to be able to slick Warlord traits to fucking alter it because they don't exist anymore. My plan is ruined. Uh, so, yeah, anyway... Uh, so the next change, this was also a really big change that, and this was also an FAQ question. Um, I believe Talons of the Emperor. So we'll get to it at the end, but this actually answered at least a handful of FAQ questions, which is really nice. Like we can, I can go into FAQ and literally just delete whole lines of it because it's been answered. Um, but anyway, uh, 145 under victory conditions, under the sudden death victory, it used to state in the heresy books that at any time all your models were killed or whatever, or you had no models on the board, you immediately lost, which was a really dumb way to word it and contradicted the actual 7th edition rulebook. Because what that meant is if I took Orbital Assault and had all my shit in drop pods, as soon as we said, okay, the game begins... I immediately lost, even if I was going first, because the game begins before I place that first drop pod, and before it's placed, I immediately lose. Right. So they changed it. So if you want to read it out, Michael, what it changed to. Okay, so it's called uh, Sudden Death Victory. Uh, It says, Generally, a victory point game will not finish before the agreed turn limit. However, it is possible to achieve a sudden death victory in a victory point game if the following cir- in the following circumstances. If one player concedes the battle, the game ends and a crushing victory goes to their opponent, which we had no questions on that. Uh, the next one is, if at the end of any game turn, one player has no models left on the battlefield, their opponent automatically wins. Units occupying a building or embarked on a vehicle still count as being on the battlefield, but units that are in reserve, including ongoing reserve, do not. So if at any point you are wiped with your stuff still in reserve, which is how most people played it already, uh, then yeah. then you lose the game. It just it they just cleaned it up to where uh, it it made more sense. Right, right. So before every once in a while, people would point that out, and then everybody else would just be like, "Shh, it doesn't just bringing that up." Everybody pretends that that doesn't. That's not a thing. <laughs> we so, got it. We got it. So anyway, yeah, it's official now. So, um, on page one. So, or not? So sorry, I lied. Nope, it is page one forty-six. So I don't. So, the way this is another uh, hard one. It's not really hard to explain, but. We don't have the resources, or maybe Michael does. So, in Book 5, which was the current, most up-to-date version of the Heresy Missions, it it defined scoring and denial units. And one of the things that it mentioned was that immobilized vehicles 
never counted as scoring or denial. Um, if you read now in the current rulebook under scoring units and denial units, there is no mention of immobilized vehicles. So now, if you have a predator that scores in your armored breakthrough and becomes immobilized, but it's still on the objective, according to this, it's it counts as scoring now, where before it would have lost the eligibility to score. So, very specific entry, but you know, it's definitely something to, if yeah. you've been well, playing it different. that way. It's yeah, yeah. If so you have been, and yeah. It really only matters, you know, for, for vehicles that <coughs> can score. So, for some reason, you have dreadnoughts that can score. There's certain ways, like there's a Raider mission chart, I think Elite score. Yeah, Raider detachment. Um, zone Mortalis, where, where dreadnoughts could score. Armored Breakthrough, where your Marine tanks could keep me as troops um, and Mechanicum uh, Ordo Reductor where their Mechanicum tanks gain scoring in the enemy deployment zone. That's when it matters. Um, it always matters with denial though, because denial, you know, it, is, is any vehicle in the game. Um, so it, it does matter, but it, it, it's something that I picked up on when we read through it, that that is no longer a thing. So does it, the vehicle has to be totally dead denial where before it just had to be immobilized. So that's a difference. Uh, so another fairly significant change, which most people played it this way anyway, is starting on page 148, which is the first mission, Blood Ud, and then every page that's a mission after that, so the next six pages. Um, if you read under um, mission special, or sorry, under uh, secondary objectives, Every single mission now has the price of failure, which before only two of the six missions had price of failure. Now every mission has price of failure. So if y'all don't know what a price of failure is, uh, that means if one or more Lord of War at the end of the game, if one army has a Lord of War and at the end of the game the Lord of War has been removed as a casualty, the opposing player scores a number of victory points. Uh, in the case of Engine Destruction, Mighty Fortification, Great Beast, or Primark, this objective is worth one victory point. And in the case of War Machine Squadrons, Monsters Horde, Subliminal Strike Wings, it is worth one victory point per vehicle creature taken as part of that choice. And I feel like they also updated the price of failure uh, rule on that one because I, I don't remember them explaining how I, many victory I points. I don't remember. Yeah, I did. Okay. It did. I don't know if it's the same. I didn't compare that, but I heard it used to be two points for your primarks and stuff. Yeah, no, it, was... it did. It did. Yeah. Okay. So is it just one? But anyway, now? Uh, oh, okay. yeah, cool. primarks yeah. are worth one victory point, but now it's uh, if Good. you lose all three Avengers from your subordinable strike wing, then it's a uh, one victory point per Avenger. That was the same. What about? That's what about same. big boy super heavies like Bane Blades and Fell Blades and shit? Are those still just one victory point? Yeah, just those one. Those are singles. Okay, good. Yeah, that did change. That's neat. <clears throat> oh, man, because that was probably a ball buster for your uh, Solar Ox, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I loved it when I played in a mission that didn't have price to failure and someone killed my whatever I took and they were like, ha-ha, and I was like, oh, no, ha, motherfucking hi. <laughs> you, sir. Because that doesn't count for shit in this mission. <laughs> now it does. So now I'm fucked all the time. Got it. At least it's consistent. Yeah, the way the way it used to say is uh uh 
As a result, unless specifically exempted or modified by the special rules, uh, destroying an enemy Lord of War always represents a secondary objective in the game. The secondary objective is worth two additional victory points to the destroying side in the case of an engine destruction, mighty fortification, great beast, or primarchs, or one additional victory point each per vehicle creature in the case of War Machine, Monstrous Creatures, Suborder Strike Wing. Uh, so they, they drop okay, that so down to one point now instead of two, uh, but maintain okay. the one point per vehicle. Gotcha. So. Well, good. I'll take that. That's fair. Okay, so the next change is, find it here, page 162, is Deep Strike. So all the rules for Deep Striking are the same, but they uh, addition Deep Strike rules and then added in the Flyers and Deep Strike section that was only ever part of the Heresy. So once again, this was one of those things where this was in a very obscure rule section. I would bring this up all the time. People would deep strike their fuck fire raptor in flying mode and then try to jink with it. And I'd be like, uh, no, it can't jink. And they'd be like, what? And then I have to dra- like, hang on, let me find it and fucking find the obscure paragraph that was in one fucking place that everybody always forgot and never read. <laughs> and then point out that it can't jink when it deep strikes and this and that. So now it's all in one spot, all under deep strike where it's easy to find and everybody can read it and be aware that it exists. So now it says flyers and deep strike. Uh, as well as arriving via the usual reserve method, some flyers also have the ability to deploy via deep strike, represented a vertical dive onto the battlefield. And this is the exact same rule. They just put it in the deep strike rule, actually. So uh, if the flyer in question has the hover yeah. mode special rule, the controlling player may declare before the deep strike is attempting whether the flyer is zooming or being treated as a fast skimmer. If using hover mode, the rules for deep strike apply as standard. If using zooming deep strike, flyers... Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. People always confuse this, so reread that. If it deploys, if it deep strikes into hover, what what happens? It's treated as a flash skimmer. Right, so it can still jink, you can still get out of it. It does everything, it's whatever. Because people always miss the... People always miss the, if you deep strike it in hover, it's just normal rules. Yeah. If using a zooming deep strike, flyers deployed via deep strike count as moving, making a okay. zoom move and having moved at cruising speed 18 inches on the turn they arrive, but are not moved any further in the turn in which they are deployed. They cannot evade, go flat out, drop bombs, or deploy transporting units in the same turn in which they arrive. On subsequent turns, the flyer is free to operate as normal. This is a risky proposition for an aircraft and a test of a pilot's skills, and so the usual rules for deep strike mishaps apply even if the flyer is noticeably, notionally at a higher altitude than is normally the case for models subject to deep strike mishap rules. So. Yep. Okay. So that's just all part of deep strike. Yep. Okay. So the next change is on page F. I'm sorry, which page? I think. Yes. 165. 165. So they literally just totally rewrote the Heat Seeker rule for the third time. Love it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jink saves may not be taken against attacks with this special rule, Heat Seeker. So you're not getting a re-roll So I think the only thing with Heat Seeker is the missiles on the Thunderbolt fighter have Heat Seeker. And then the Anti-air missile on yep. a whirlwind. Hyperios missile. Yep. 
I think those are the only two things with Heatseeker. But the rules changed, and it's this now. So the Thunderbolt just got so a little bit better at fucking up other flyers. Yeah. Uh, so the <laughs> so the next thing is on page one sixty six, and it's the infiltrate thing, Michael. If you want to explain, like that, it was like it was never clear, and then they FAQ'd it and whatever. Now they basically took the FAQ answer from the FAQ and implemented it in the actual rulebook. Uh, so with the uh, characters, it, they were never allowed to join a unit that was infiltrating. Uh, and so the FAQ actually came out and stated that an independent character without infiltrate can never join a unit that has infiltrate. And then they also included at the very end and vice versa to stop units from joining a model with infiltrate to stop them from infiltrating as well. And so now that whole FAQ is is implemented in the infiltrate or I'm sorry in the independent character portion. Infiltrate's on the next page, but as part of the independent character, it says an independent character without infiltrate special rule cannot join a unit of infiltrators during deployment and vice versa. Uh, so now, if you don't have infiltrate, you cannot join a unit that has infiltrate and gain it. Uh, so uh, it wasn't a huge deal, but that is something that was in the in the last FAQ that made it way its way over to this rulebook. Right. So, sorry, Alfarius. The next one is on page 177 and is combi weapons. So, this one is people it's not like a big deal. Like people aren't like arguing arguing like oh like whether it's cheesy or whatever, but it's kind of weird if people it are is this way in one then. way. <laughs> like I've I've seen a lot of excitement over it, so. Yeah. Right. So what happened was under combi weapons, you have Flamer, Melta, and Plasma, and they're all unchanged. They're still one use, and they work exactly like they used to. But the Grenade Launcher and the Volkite Charger are no longer one use. So people don't know if that's a typo or if that's intentional. Um, I could see it being a typo just because all combi weapons should technically, like through established rules and what it means, only be one use. That being said, from an actual game design standpoint, the fact that you can buy a fucking Volkite Charger for seven points and you're like 99.9% .9 of the time going to use it over a Bolter, why would you pay 10 points for a fucking Bolter with a one-shot Volkite Charger under it? Yep. Yeah. It doesn't I, I, make any sense. Yeah, I, I think I think it was it was Austin in, in the, the Crusader chat that made the point that all of them were the same points regardless, and so it just kind of brought... Right the combi grenade launcher in line with the points for like a melta gun, a plasma gun as one use, yes. which, which yeah. I, I agree yeah. with. I see it. It's not game breaking. It's definitely something that'll insanely yeah. make like well, marks. Maybe dark events. angels. Cause dark angels can buy yeah, them fucking stasis grenades. Dirty. <laughs> yeah. Infinite stasis grenades on your fucking terminators. Yeah. Take so, that everyone. So yeah, Kieran actually in the chat just came. He just brought up the exact same thing. If grenade combi is costing the same as melt plasma, then I'm fine with them being able to shoot every turn until you get stasis bomb. <laughs> yeah, Kieran, <laughs> just. <laughs> well, I mean, you do you pay a little, pay extra points for that upgrade. It's still only one unit. I don't. I still don't think it's game breaking, but it, it definitely like it's something that if it is the case where it's not one use, it's going to be in like you're every Dark Angel army is now going to have lots of that. So, just saying. Every Marksman Vet squad is going to be taking some fucking grenade launchers. 
and on top of that, I mean, you also have to think about. Uh oh, I guess no, it doesn't matter. No, it. Well, you're right. the the combi The combi grenade launcher would be great in a marksman vet squad because you could shoot those frag grenades. Yeah. What non-stop. is it? Eight, is it eighteen or twenty four? It's twenty four. Twenty four. Yeah, so twenty four inch. It's only strength three, but it's all going to be fucking sniper. sniper fire. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah, it's going to be definitely definitely something. I, I was I was thinking about that, and then I was also thinking about the grenade launchers uh, from the uh, from the Imperial Militia or the Solar Ox, whichever one gets the gets the. But those are, those are true grenade launchers. They're not combi, so it's it's fine. Yeah, yeah, they fire every turn anyway. Yeah, but the big thing that this will affect will be. Veterans, marksman veterans, where they can fire marksman Volkite or marksman fucking frag grenades every turn, which would be pretty goddamn brutal. Or, um, Dark Angels. Both, both are going to be a little bit rough. Uh, on top of that, yeah, I mean, there's, I really don't see them being utilized too much anywhere else. Like, I mean, I'm trying to think of what else could take combi. I mean, it, it's kind of cool. I mean, that- and people who are shitting a brick on this, just keep in mind, though, if you did that to a vet squad, you're, that's 100 points to do a 10-man vet squad. And they're already, I think, 160 base for 10-man. So it'd be 260 points with no transport for 10 fucking power armor guys. Yeah, it doesn't It doesn't make them more durable. And, and most vet squads, people want to nuke just as soon as they fire anyway. And, and it's just a small blast. So, I mean, a rapid-fire bolt gun, you're guaranteed to get two individual shots where if you're spaced properly anyway, a small blast is only going to get, you know, one, possibly two guys. And that's not counting if you fucking scatter everywhere. So it's really not... It's it's it's, it's basically a... <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that... It, it's sneaky. It, it, it's depending on the skill of your opponent. If your opponent doesn't pay fucking attention and has their shit clustered up, or they they deep strike something like cataphracty that then can't run, that are all clustered together, or somebody brings in fucking Horus with a bunch of just Aaron and they're all clumped in a goddamn whatever, and you dump all these grenade launchers with marksmen on them, that's going to be severely painful. But as long as like models are spaced out like normally on the board, it's really not that much worse than. Uh, a rapid fire bolt gun to be honest and it's it's less painful than flamers are currently anyway yeah kieran actually brought up he said sniper volkite is savage um so i mean mechanic i'm sorry sorry tim i know you're listening right now but (laughs) oh you get into the next one no no i was talking about the uh with the grenade launcher being ap4 and all that and you can basically load out a unit of vets with unlimited ap4 now yeah, but single oh, shot twenty four inches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. Um. So the next thing that changed is on page one seventy eight, and this caused a big shit fight on Ivorus. Not really a shit fight. It was delusional Mechanicum players versus the rest of the world that uh is like not buying into the bullshit that Mechanicum players try to spread that their shit <laughs> doesn't need toned down. Um. So, hang on, let me find it here. It's the Graviton weapons. Uh, oh, here it is. Page 177. So, on page 177, if you read the Grav weapons, they have a line now for the Graviton imploder, and it has changed. It used to have the 40K Grav rule, 
which was where it always wounded on the armor save of the target. So, like, if you shot a Terminator, it would wound on a 2-up. If you shot a Space Marine power armor, it would wound on a 3-up, whatever. Um, and then on top of that, it also uh, auto-stripped a hole point and auto-immobilized any vehicle hit uh, on a roll of a 6. You suffered an immobilized result and lost a hole point. So... 40k grav, I mean, just speaking fucking bluntly, was a bullshit rule. Everybody fucking hated it. It was spammed to no end in 40k. That was the fucking thing that was in the Marine Army. Everybody fucking spammed Centurions. They spammed bikers with fucking grav. It was a thing. It was brutal and spammed in 40k, so obviously moving over to 30k, it was the same. Oh, same thing with the the 40k uh, Mechanicus shit, the little Catafron guys. Yep, same thing. Fucking spammed to no end. It was like the obvious choice. So I don't have a problem with it. Everybody who doesn't play Mechanicum and Mechanicum players that um, are capable of critical thinking and actually putting themselves in other people's shoes are also fine with it. Um, there are some that, for whatever reason, think that the other rule was fine and balanced when it obviously wasn't. I mean, it's when, you're, when your other options for the unit that could take this were a radiation engines, which are extremely good, Volcat Colverans, which are extremely good, and Photon Thrusters, which are extremely good, when you never saw any of those options because the auto choice was this, how does, like, how can then you try to argue that it wasn't overpowered? <laughs> Man, dude, it's still it's still absolutely a viable choice, though. I mean, 18-inch, Salvo well, 2-4, the, the rules, The rules are still a viable choice. I don't think the points cost are. But I was trying to explain to people that can be adjusted whenever they do the next Mechanicum book. Yeah. yeah. They can just make it like a five point option or a 10 point, whatever. Because mm -hmm. right now it's 35 points, which is too many points for what it does now. That being said, that, that's just a points value that can be changed. But I'm happy with the rules change because this brings it in line with all the 30K grav weapons and eliminates any hint and sniff of that bullshit 40K grav rule that everybody hated. Every non-Mechanicum player hated. <laughs> to be fair. Fucking auto you know choice. Funny, like, I mean, you know what's funny about, about you saying that? My brother's been playing Mechanicum since like book two. And he said the same exact thing you did. He's like, the only reason that was there was because 30K was tied to 40K. And that was just some bleed over bullshit. He's like, I'm fine with it being on. I don't give a fuck. Like, okay. Right. Oh no! I have to take radiation engines. Oh no! <laughs> oh, oh, I'm only left. I'm only left with photon thrusters or radiation, volcanic <laughs> Whatever I fucking do, especially man, that graviton imploder. People who try to argue just the rules of the imploder. Do you not realize it's on a fucking BS five relentless guy with preferred enemy everything? So yep. it's effectively four shots, twin linked. Usually reroll and and usually rerolling to wound as well because you're talking like almost everything you're shooting in the game is going to be wounding on a two or a three. You and you're only, getting reroll once. Now you only have a torrent flamer that wounds on twos, rerolling ones. So uh, yeah, yeah. Or, or um, huge. Yeah. Oh, that's AP three. Don't forget. Um, or a photon thruster which shoots like across the board and is. Uh, two shots, strength six, AP two, blind and lance. Oh my god! Like whatever will you do with yourself? Well, it's unplayable. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Trash. <laughs> yeah. um, hey, let me ask you this. And I don't mean to fucking cut in, but since you brought it up, the the photon thruster thing, 
if it gets hot and they have preferred enemy, I know in that 40k FAQ a stipulation was you couldn't reroll your gets hot. Well, preferred enemy, but can you now since that FAQ is null and void? Um, we can read the gets hot USR. I probably should ask that. Don't worry about answering that. I'm not trying to fucking derail us. Okay, just read the gets hot USR. The gets hot USR. I believe is uh, worded the old way, which yes, you could just re-roll it because it says. I would imagine. Says, if a, model, says if a model has the ability to re-roll to hit rolls, including those because of BS six or the twin linked rule, a wound is only suffered if the re-roll is also a one. Well, there you so have because it. these are good. So, so yeah, so, yeah you can re-roll it. Really good choice for that unit. Really. Yes. Good. Um, and I still think Graviton Imploders will be a reasonable option if they lower the points on it. I still think it's fine. So on page one, I think it's 183. Let me find it here. Uh, so it's page 182. They updated the grenade rules, which everybody kind of knew about this because of the leaked Tony Cottrell video. Um, not leaked, but you know what I mean? Like he got on the Warhammer Live or whatever and uh, it would be one of the changes. So multi-bombing is 100% official. <laughs> that said, it is segregated uh, multi-bombing. So you can multi-bomb, but you have to use all grenades of one type. So if you have a sergeant with a melt-a-bomb and then 10 normal guys with crack grenades, you're going to have to choose whether to use the single melt-a-bomb or the crack grenades. Now you're just like when you build your army, uh, most of the time what I would advise people to do is not worry about taking a single melt bomb on a sergeant anymore. Um, instead, take an option like a thunder hammer or a power fist. That way he can use that and everybody can crack grenade or just don't bother with it and just not. I mean, it wasn't like you're going to have one fucking melt bomb guy run up to a Leviathan and kill it anyway. Like the odds of that happening were so goddamn slim to none. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I've um, seen that happen plenty of fucking times to me well All whatever right. <laughs> it's not it's not a viable strategy like you're just fucking don't go you know, into yeah, it planning on doing that it's not gonna work <laughs> yeah yeah so anyway that's that's multi-bombing is official but it's segregated multi-bombing no big deal great change to the game uh lazy heresy for life uh shroud bombs are also so, now in the rules What'd you say? Shroud bombs are also now in the rules instead of hidden away inside the <clears throat> inside the Legion. Yeah, I didn't. Is, but... So, so that's the other thing. I didn't. I'm not going to write down every page number, but the entire the entirety of the weapon section and the universal rules section has been updated to include all the heresy USRs along with all the seventh ones that mattered, and the same thing with weapons. I'm not going to sit here and go, "This was added and this was taken out," and this like it's pretty obvious. So, just read through those sections and they. They adapted them to include stuff. There were no changes uh, that we spotted to any of those. They just moved them from where they were in two places all into one place, which is obviously a good change. Uh, so I think it's on... Yeah, so on page 185, uh, the Scryer, Scryer's Gaze divination power is exactly the same, except that they got rid of all um, points on... Uh, I, I put in my notes, remove 7th edition 40k bullshit, which is uh, mysterious objectives and maelstrom card manipulation. 
So that part of the scryer's gaze is now gone. So now it's just re-roll reserve rolls. No big deal. No big deal. So they just got rid of the 40k bullshit. Uh, also on page 188, which should be telepathy, they got rid of invisibility. Oh my god. Uh, this is like, I want to throw a goddamn pizza party with ice cream and everything and get a fucking pony uh, with a clown riding it for Scott. Like, yeah. straight up. Yeah, fucking. Ugh. Dude, <laughs> I wonder. I hate invisibility. Yeah, fucking invisibility. I wonder if we could send a a rented pony ride to GW. Like, I wonder if we could do that. I'll figure it out. I'll find out. Um, nah, let's not, because it'll buck somebody off, and then we might be fucking liable Ooh, yeah. for damages because it'll break their arm or some shit. Let's just <laughs> not. Send them, send them an empty cake box and say it's an invisible cake. They just wanted, we wanted them to know like how we really feel about invisibility. Now you know how everyone else felt about invisibility. Um, now you can really uh, celebrate that it's gone because if it, if it, invisibility existed, uh, you, you, it would be like this, and you don't actually have a cake to eat. So there you go. Fair enough. So they replaced it with a psychic power uh, mm. called Mine Howl. If Michael wants to read it, he can. But it's essentially. It's a warp to warp 40K. charge to mind house yeah, a malediction that targets a single enemy unit within 12 inches. Whilst the power is in effect, all models in the target unit reduce their ballistic skill and weapon skill to one. So it's a targeted invisibility. Yep. So then the last change, uh, the last like very specific change was on page 191. They added in a demon summoning section and they added in some generic demon rules, which are pretty cool and how summoning demons work and all this. And this is what I made reference to when we talked about conjuration. Um, the other thing people need to keep in mind with demons, uh, me and Scott, we had this discussion a long time ago about do, and this is part of the FAQ, was do summon units count as scoring? How does all that work? Um, so they copy and pasted the full-blown 7th edition Conjuration rules, which is all the way back on page... It's all the way back near the beginning. I'll tell you what page it is. Hang on. Take me just a second. Uh, it's under Psychic Powers. Right here. So, under Conjuration... And th this isn't changed. This was the same as in um, the 7th edition book, but it was kind of weird because it was conflicting with the uh, the red books and all that, but I guess now it's official. I don't know. It's still kind of a a gray area. <clears throat> um, but if you go to... Where's it at? Which fire, which fire powers? <laughs> right here. Conjuration. So on page 30, section, uh... The very last thing it says, the very last sentence, it says, unless otherwise noted, conjured units are scoring units. So to me, that is a copy-paste artifact and everything scored. Yep. But, I mean, because that's what it said before in the 7th edition book, but then when you read Heresy book, the Heresy book said, 
Um, if anything in the heresy book contradicts the core rule book, the heresy book trumps it. But now this is the heresy book. Says unless stated otherwise, summoned units are scoring. So there's still a scoring unit breakdown later in the heresy book. Yeah, it, but it. Yeah, and it says in there unless they have a special rule that states that uh, they score, which this where, does. That that's what I didn't understand. Yeah. would butt heads. Okay. So yeah, basically, so, right now anything that is conjured is a scoring unit. As rules, yeah. So written, if you summon demons, every. Yeah. So what's weird about that is if so say you took weird word bearers and you allied demons and you took screamers as your fast attack allied slot, those because they're fast attack. But if during the same game you summon screamers, the summon screamers would score, even though the fast attack ones don't. Yeah. Understood. So what I would what I would say is just even though once again this is house rule, whatever, but just to this is pretty a suggestion, yeah. and to me, this is pretty clear a copy paste artifact. Um, we talked about this when we did our FAQ episode. I would just say that um, any demons that are taken as a troop choice, or any summon demons that would be a troop's choice, um, are scoring. But don't play the game expecting that because that's not. Yeah. Yeah. Discuss this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah discuss it. I mean, okay. rules is written. I mean, I don't think your opponent's going to disagree with that because rules is written. Everything's fucking scoring. So you're toning it down for them by doing that. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I feel like that's fair. And I think that's probably how it should be worded. Um, so hopefully they change that or address that later. Just say ignore that, whatever. I don't know. I hear you. So, so real quick. So now that we're done with that, so what do you guys think? think of the changes and then after then my second question is what do you think i mean we don't have the actual physical book in our hands but i mean we know what it's going to be we have other red books but as far as just looking at the art and the page layout um and what they did with implementing 30k rules the some of the faq uh and the stronghold assault book all into one book how do you guys feel about the book overall well, honestly, Scott? man, like, um, oh, good, Scott, not that's Scott. cool. <laughs> um, actually, man, I was really shocked. Like when I was uh, scrolling through there to see like actual color plates, little storyline things. The I don't know the proper name for the image, but the images they superimpose like the rules onto um, the little examples. Yeah, I thought I thought all that was really neat, man, and. Uh, I mean, as far as if it's compared to the other quality of the other red books that, you know, we have seen and been fans of, I, I'm a big fan of it. I like it a lot. I definitely feel like I get my value out of the product. I think it, the digital is only 44 bucks, which is still cheaper than what the synth ed rule book was. And this is definitely way nicer. So, oh, you know, okay. I'll take it. Yeah. Fucking two thumbs up. Yeah, and like you said, it was night. Like even in the little like box out examples where it shows like two units, where in the original rulebook it was like orcs and guard or orcs and marines, they actually went through and yeah. took the time to edit all that and change it to thirty k yeah. specific like calc models of yeah. death guard and ultramarines, which is actually pretty fucking. And that cool. seems like a small thing, but I, I appreciate attention to detail in all things, and I thought that was really neat of them. The only thing that I see that's going to fucking one hundred percent cause arguments, I'm calling it right now is on the shooting arc example for vehicles. 
one of the examples they use is the shooting arc for Sponsons. They use a fucking Demios Predator where the Sponsons don't actually swivel like they say that they do in the image. <laughs> I think they kind of screwed the pooch there. but I hear you. Um, if you look at the Land Raider Mark II B on the same page, the arcs are correct. So this is on page 72. Somebody's echoing. I don't know who's echoing. Yeah. Okay, anyway. If you look at page 72, the Land Raider Mark II B, the arcs on the image are actually correct to the model in real life. Whereas if you look at the Predator, the sponsons on the Predator do not swivel to represent that. So people are going to be like, well, does my Demios, even though the fucking gun doesn't swivel? When it specifically says in the wording, you swivel the gun, and then that's where it can shoot. But on here, it's showing that it shoots the full fucking distance, even though it doesn't swivel that far. But whatever. Uh, Does the Mars pattern swivel? The, all the Mars pattern does, but they don't have the Mars pattern it, here. They have the Demios one. <laughs> it's, it's just making some concessions. They don't want to penalize people for using the nice model. Well, but... I don't know. <laughs> like Tony Cottrell actually even said in the thing about firing arcs when people are talking about eight, he says he kind of likes that the different vehicle designs all have their own little quirks and firing okay. arcs based that's, on the model that make really the game interesting. Yeah. Where yeah. like a Mars pattern Land Raider swivels all the way around where the Mark II B doesn't quite. Yeah, because the Mark II B is more analogous to like what you get out of the Achilles because the Achilles can take some really... Right, but and the doors are in a slightly different place and all that. So I personally am still like this little example picture. I'm just taking it to mean it move, but obviously they don't on the model. Mm -hmm. But that's just me. Now this people are going to fucking try to shoot their Demio straight to the side and then use that fucking picture as an example. Absolutely. Uh, what do you think of the the book overall, Michael? Man, dude. I am extremely happy with the book. Uh, there's nothing, nothing to complain about. Um, as far I'm, I'm ready to get the book in my hand, uh, so I can do the whole comb through of all the art. Um, I'm, I'm the guy that, that, uh, finds all the, uh, like I'm, I'm a real big person when it comes to like hidden stuff. Like, Oh, if you look at like two years later, you're like, if you look at page 118, they hid this new model in front of us. And we didn't even know it was there the whole time. So, like, I'm ready to get it in my hand so I can actually look through it. Um, but as far as, like, the art goes and all that stuff, man, I'm really happy with it. Like, everything everything is really, really beautiful. Uh, I'm happy with the rules. Um, are we talking about wish list right now? Or, like, are we talking about wishing stuff? No, I was just getting the overall quality of the book. We'll do wish list here in a second. What do you think, Jacob? Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Um, Scout really uh, brought up and and stressed one of the things that I was really impressed with, the fact that they they reshot all their all their demos, all their examples, with with heresy content. Um, that's that's indicative of a of a high attention to detail, even if a couple other things slipped through the cracks. Yeah. Um, I also don't think, I mean, I haven't gone through with a fine tooth comb. I don't think we've got any Inferno instances where we've got any tourists hanging that's, out. In the that's book, what so. I'm looking for. That's what I look for. Like, <laughs> I, like I absolutely look for tourists. I'm, I'm trying to find them. Uh, the one thing, one thing I did see that I thought was pretty cool was the, uh, uh, the melted Sakaran 
I think it's it's on page eighty seven. I just happened to run back across it. There's a melted Sakarin in there. It kind of shows you some melt blast. Like there's a whole bunch of things where like people are like, what does Volkite look like or what does this look like? And if you go through these pictures in the background, there's a number of things that like it shows you what like a melted fucking Sakarin looks like. What it gets like happens when it gets hit by uh, what I assume is this Leviathan's um, magnum not magnum melta the uh, cyclonic uh, cyclonic melta melta lance melta lance. So, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff that's, like, hidden inside of here and things like that. Uh, I, I will be doing the full scope and fi- trying to find, like, new models hidden and stuff like that in here. I was overall very impressed with the attention to detail. Like I said, going through and actually giving cover saves to the little battlefield debris. Um, not just copy and pasting the fucking statue and actually changing it to be 30k specific. Um, changing the the fortifications to Lords of War that clearly were wasn't just a direct copy and paste. They actually took the time to redo all the examples um, and change little things to make it actually feel heresy. Gotten rid of the tactical objectives, got rid of mysterious objectives, got rid of all that. So I was actually surprised. I figured there would be a higher instance of typos um, conflicting things, whatever. We did point out a few, um, but it, it, it's not near to the level that I... This could have been a total clusterfuck. Yeah. With the yeah. turnaround time that they put it out in, I was actually kind of worried, especially... I was really worried with the huge quality uh, dive that Book 7 took. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty... like Book Seven's a fucking dumpster fire. just is. Yeah. This, uh, to me, really redeemed them. Like, I was kind of worried that this would be shit. And also, maybe... I'm still slightly worried about book eight. If if book eight goes back to, like, book five and previous, book six is a fucking fence-sitter. There's, it's not bad. It's not horrendously, obviously bad, like seven, like book seven. There are some fucking stupid things in there, like Scoria, and there was a bunch of fucking typos, like Armored Breakthrough and all that when it came out. It wasn't to the level of book seven, but it still wasn't great. The book seven comes out and it's pure shit decline. Like you could trace it on a graph where it wasn't charting in a positive direction. This turns it around. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Forge World's got their hands back on the reins. Yes. So hopefully book eight comes out and it's more in line with book one through five and it shows an, a steady, you know, ramp back up in quality and attention to detail. So overall, I'm very happy with the book. All of the changes for me personally are are positive. Like I, I don't there's no change in here that I saw that I was like upset with in any way or think that it's bad for the game or whatever. People not being able to take one off nights, I'm a little bummed for people that spent money on a night and only had one. It doesn't make it unplayable. You're just gonna have to go out and get another one, which is you know, it is what it is. That being said, I think from a mechanic standpoint and a fluff standpoint, if you take your bias out of it of being fucked over by only owning one night and looking at it like as a just, you know, as non-biased third party looking at it, yeah. I think it's a positive change to the game personally. Absolutely. God has to leave. So. Yep. You guys have a good one. See ya. Right. Later, Thanks, Scott. Man. One little more section to cover and that is the um I wrote a little thing five minor changes 
that I would like to see that wouldn't have required like a major rules right. It just would have like required one little change that wouldn't have affected the overall game. Kind of like how they took invisibility out. That doesn't, I mean, it, it helps the quality of the overall game, but they don't have to rewrite any rules to do that. They literally just omitted that. Yeah. So I wrote down a personal list of five changes that were minor that wouldn't have required any major overhauls that I would have liked to have saw that we didn't see. And then um, do you want me to go through those or do you guys want to say your own or? Uh, you can go ahead and say yours. I also have some from the, the chat if, uh, or I can read those first. Okay, well, let me do mine, and then we'll, we'll just add everybody else. I'll go through them fairly quick. Sure. So my first one was I would have liked to have seen them changes to the psychic powers and, and psychic rules a little bit, um, specifically the endurance power. I think it's too powerful. It's not invisibility level uh, of stupidity, but it's still pretty powerful. Um, I think that endurance should have dropped to a 5-plus feel-no-pain from a 4-up. Um, I think just that little change would have vastly improved how people feel about the power. Um, also, forewarning and divination. Forewarning and divination is fine on its own. The problem becomes it doesn't say anything about it not being able to be increased through other means. And the problem is you can easily combo it with other shit and then break it, which is a shame. So... They should have just left forewarning the same, but added in a little sentence that said, this four-up invulnerable save granted by forewarning may never be improved by any other means. Because the problem becomes, like, you cast that on something, and then with Thousand Suns, they yeah, have the yeah, fucking thing. Yeah, you get thing the plus that, one invul, but that caps you at a three. Right, but perfect. you still go from a four to three, which is a huge change. You can also do it with uh, Cursed Earth on yep. Demons. yep. Uh, fiery form uh, that gives That's you a, a four up symbol. Oh, is it cover? Yeah, it's cover. I thought it was that. Oh, okay. No. Um. So anyway, there's ways to manipulate it, and I wish that they would have changed it where it can't be manipulated, and it's just a straight four up. Um. The last thing would be Brotherhood of Psychers. In them. So the, the weird thing about Brotherhood of Psychers was the thing where Thousand Sons can currently cast Iron Arm, and the entire unit's affected by it. That specifically came about because of the FAQ, which no longer exists. So if you want to pretend that the FAQ still exists on answering the questions brought up by the book, you I guess you would still play it that way. But technically, there's no official answer anymore, so you could go back to where you have to answer it yourself. Um, I wish they would have changed... What I'm getting at is Brotherhood of Psychers should have changed to where when casting a power from Brotherhood of Psychers, you choose a single member of the unit to represent the caster. So if you cast something like Iron Arm or Warp Speed or Precognition... Yeah, you, you do that when you determine range and when you, like, shoot powers. Right. But or use statistics. Yeah. Like the actual, like, leadership, leadership or whatever. Values, yep. You use one model, but for whatever reason, they ruled in the FAQ that it affects the whole fucking unit, even though it says the caster. When you cast Blessings. Which yep. is silly to me. So, to me, the guy that you pick to be the dude that you use range, line of sight, and all that from should be the only model affected by powers that yep. say only affect the Psyker, like precog, uh, iron arm, whatever. Which, there's nothing stopping people from self-regulating and just doing that. No one's going to argue with that. Yep. Um, and, and it's still those power... Like, so, for example, if you have a single power axe in a veteran unit that you've upgraded to hmm. level one with Thousand Suns, the guy's already three attacks standing still. If you cast fucking Iron Arm on him, he goes to six and then seven on the charge. Uh, you're thinking warp speed. Or warp speed, yeah. 
that's still a viable power. Yeah. Like, just that alone is viable. Yeah. You don't need to fucking exploit the game and make it to where every fucking model gets three more attacks where you go up to 30 additional attacks at strength 5 AP2 yep. as opposed to three additional. Yep. You're fine with three. I promise you. It's only warp charge one. It shouldn't be that exploit. So that's my little thing on that. So number two would be the conjured unit scoring. They took the time to write their own demon section and all that. To me, it's a shame that they didn't they address that one line. Yeah. Like it's one little thing they could have put in there to perfectly clarify it. And it would have been all wrapped up with the little bow on it. Um, it's not really a problem now as only word bearers have to deal with it. But when the demon book comes out, or demons come out in book eight, it could become an issue that they could have nipped in the bud right now, um, which is nice. Now, they did change. I don't know if this was in the seventh edition book. This just jumped in my head. I didn't put this on the list of changes. They state in that demon section, if you take a demon unit and summon a unit of demons with malefic demonology, that summoned unit may not select malefic demonology, which is a change from... So you can't summon a unit that then takes summoning to summon more units. That's you not can't, a, You can't pull the infinite carpet of pink horrors. Right. You can't do that anymore. It's good. But that that was in the that's in the uh, that demon section on page one ninety one. So that's clarified in there. So that is a positive change. So like I said, if they had just took the little bit extra step and said this is scoring or this isn't, it would have been really nice. The other thing that they could have cleaned up that wouldn't have required a major rewrite of the rules is multi-assault. Like, if I try to charge into combat and take one unit and charge multiple units, no one understands how this works. Like, it's clear how it's written. If you actually sit down with models and read it word for word and follow the step-by-step -step process itself, you can usually figure it out how it's supposed to play. That said, when you're in the middle of a game and you do it, or somebody else tries to do it to you... Suddenly you have a 15-minute assault phase and everybody's pissed off. Right, because you have to explain it. So I understand how... And I'm not trying to sound arrogant or whatever. It's just that I've played so many games yeah. and I've read it so many times, I perfectly understand how it works. So when I try to do it or someone else does it to me and I correct them or do it a certain way and then people get all uppity, even though it's clearly there, it, it's just not... It's just worded pretty shittily. And, and it's it's not even that it's worded shitty, it's that it's overly complex. It should just be, I'm charging these two units, I roll my dice, they're both in range, I can charge both and still be in coherency, I move my fucking models in whatever order I want, when they're all moved, everyone's in coherency, everything was in range. Done. It's not like that, though. That's not how it works. Nope. There's like this super involved, closest to closest in the primary target, do that, then move one model at a time, and every model... Then you, you have to finish basing the primary target, and once nobody else can be based in the primary, then you can start peeling off to right. the Right, and you have to do it one model at a time, and every model that you move has to be in coherency. It, it's not at the end after they're moved, they're in coherency. Every model that you move, after that one model's moved, you have to check coherency to the other model moved, and it, it's, it's a fucking mess. So they could have fixed that and cleaned that up. Uh... The biggest one that I wish they would have fixed is modifying dice section and auto passing and failing. So right at the beginning of the book of the of the old seventh edition book and this new book, they have a section at the beginning on basics. Um, I'll tell you the page number. It's right at the beginning. So it's under uh, modifiers. 
or modifying dice. Multiple modifiers. General principles. It's under 18. general principles on page 18. Modifying the modifying dice, dice roll section is it's just it's just a flaw in the core game mechanics. I don't know how else to put it. Um, the way it works is you roll a die, and then if you have a modifier that says plus one, minus one, plus two, whatever, you apply that modifier, and then after that modifier is applied, you then get the result. Comes. There's so many mechanics in the game that say if you roll a six or if you roll a one, this happens. The problem is when you put these modifiers in, it then becomes impossible to hit those target numbers sometimes. Or it becomes automatic. Uh, Night Lords with right. power Right, it either becomes automatic or impossible. So a, a good example of this would be uh, Magnus's Phantasmal Aura thing. It, it's minus one to hit against all shooting in close combat. If I have precise shots, I can't ever precise shot him because it requires a roll of a six. So when I roll a six to hit, because it's really... Even though I roll a six... It's really a five, so it doesn't trigger. So and you can't snapshot that unit. No, because snapshot makes you ballistic skill one. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't be able to snapshot it. Yeah, so it just it leads to all kinds of fucking problems. Like the ultramarine legatine axe says on a roll of a six to hit, it auto wounds and does a you know whatever. It, it won't work against something that's a minus one. Yep. To, it you can't actually roll a six, even though you do roll a six. Like night lords. If with a power fist, if you're outnumber the opponent, to wound roll. Well, you roll a one to wound one because it modifies to a two before you get the final result. So it makes it automatic, which is dumb because there's a section that says you can't automatically wound. A roll of a one always fails, but I didn't roll. A I one. didn't roll a one because I've modified it to a two. Yeah. So it's fucking silly. So a good example. Uh, of what they should have, how they should have worded it is if you go to page 20 under leadership. Uh, the very last sentence says when rolling dice to take a leadership test, uh, roll a roll of a 12, a double six is always a failure, and a roll of a two, a double one is always a success, regardless of any other modifiers. That apply. Yep. That's all they had to do was add that fucking sentence to rolling to wound and rolling to hit, and it would have fixed a lot. Um, but they really should just go into that modifying dice section and have something on a natural roll or whatever. Do something to fucking fix it. It's just yep. it causes problems. Um, the other thing that's an issue that they should have fixed that this is probably the thing that w I never had this argument in Heresy because uh, Heresy players are not as rules lawyery. And I've never, like, normally people just kind of do shit. Um, I've only had this argument twice in Heresy where I literally had it almost every game of 40k I ever played when I still played in 6. Challenges work. Oh, no. The outside forces rule on challenges. Um, let me find that. Charge, charge, move. Fight subphase. 95. Oh, it's under character. It's under characters. What you? What page you say? Uh, ninety-five combatant. Ninety-five. It's uh page ninety-five under. So challenges. the problem. W right. So the problem with this is, um, uh, it's outside forces. It says, 
While the challenge is ongoing, other models locked in combat can only allocate wounds to models in the challenge if all other enemy models, if any, combat have been removed. Fighting in the challenge are the closest models. So here's the problem with the way that is read. If I have a Praetor and a single Space Marine that's attached to him, so you're literally talking one guy, one Marine. The Praetor is in a challenge with a Terminator Sergeant, and it's a full 10-man Cataphracty Terminator unit. When those guys hit Initiative 1 that aren't in a challenge swing, I rolled a hit and then rolled a wound, and I have to allocate all the wounds in the challenge. So that means they've already been allocated. So then when that guy dies on the very first one, what happens to the other nine wounds? Poof. <laughs> People try to say that they spill over into the challenge. But how, I've already allocated them. Right. It doesn't tell me to reallocate them. It says, I can't allocate wounds to the guy in the challenge, even if he's the closest yeah, model. Yeah, you finish wound allocation before you begin rolling saves. Right. It doesn't matter that I don't get an armor save. So I can't allocate and then reallocate wounds. That's not how that works. So, but it doesn't, they should have given a fucking example of how it works. So the way I play it is that each initiative step, you can only swing into the guy in the challenge if at the beginning of that initiative step, before you even start rolling to hit, there are no other models. So if at initiative step three, your, or sorry, initiative step four, your power sword terminator kills that last guy. And then at initiative one, I still have power fist and there's no other guy only the guy in the challenge, then they can roll to hit and roll to wound against the dude in the challenge. But it's it's worded in a bullshit way. Like it, and people, it causes no end to fucking arguments if people actually read the rules and they get mad because it's like, I've had that before where I've had like Vulcan or a Primarch left and they've killed the whole unit but one guy and then they swing in with a bunch of power fists and overkill the one guy by like a ton of wounds and I'm like, it doesn't spill over, man. It says right, like wounds. We can't reallocate them. I'm sorry. That's just how it fucking yeah works. So I don't know. They could have cleared that up. So that those are my five minor changes that they could have made that wouldn't have really affected anything outside those and wouldn't have made the game play any different. It just would have eliminated a lot of ongoing arguments that I continue to have or problems with the game dragging or slowing down. Gotcha. So is there is there any ones that you can think of, Michael? Uh, not off the top of my head. I did realize we did miss one rule that made it over from the FAQ. Uh, preferred enemy got updated to the way it was working in the FAQ. Uh, to now okay now only uh the way it used to work is, um, it didn't specify it, it basically because Forge World was the only. Uh, the only books that had preferred enemy like character or preferred enemy psyker or things like that, it, it, it didn't really specify if the entire unit was had preferred enemy against it. Uh, but the FAQ clarified that, and they actually moved that over to uh, this rule often represented as preferred enemy X, where X identifies a specific type of foe. 
If the special rule does not specify a type of foe, then everyone is a preferred enemy of the unit. A unit that contains at least one model with this special rule re-rolls failed to hit and to wound rolls of one if attacking its preferred enemy. Uh, this applies both to shooting and close combat attacks. Uh, th- the only okay. reason that uh, that even made any sense, like anything to me, was because I used to play Decapitation Strike for Raven Guard, and yep. they have preferred enemy character. And so now that's a numerously more powerful. Well, it's, there's a, it's there's a, independent uh, there's a Rot by War it? for Black Shields that does a similar thing. Yeah, and it, it's just character. It's I don't think it's independent character. It, it might be independent character, but I, th- I believe it's just oh. character. If it's character at all, that's crazy strong. So yeah, but it was it was it was kind of one of those things where like we wrote into Forge World and they were like, oh yeah, if it's the closest model, then you get it. But but then it was it's just yeah, which thing. then that just breaks the game in other ways. It's fucking stupid. I hate when people do that. Yeah. But so anyway. so they got it. They got it fixed. And and so I, I was just looking that up and I just saw that. So did, is there any minor changes that you would affect? No, you covered everything with the psychic phase being being a big Thousand Suns player. The the fact that. I'm fine self-regulating, but it would have been nice. To I feel like to if people just like offload some of that stigma. Um, forewarning is easy to self-regulate. All you have to do is not cast or include things in the army list that stack with it. Fucking mm-hmm. done. That's just a choice. You're not changing any rules. You just choose regulate and yeah. not stack shit. Um, endurance, it is what it is. Just play it as a four up. That's the way it says it's yeah. supposed to be played. Would have been legitimately changed. The only saving grace of that is Instant death exists, and as long as you're attacking whatever model has endurance with double its strength, four guys with endurance, just go after them with a fucking power fist. That was something that used to be in the FAQ. I don't know if it's uh, made its way into uh, Mark 1 Heresy rule. The specific question was addressed where, hey, if I have Eternal Warrior and feel no pain, what happens if I suffer an attack with instant death or something where the strength you still don't get feel no pain yeah that was well i mean that's to me that's just answering the obvious wording right yeah i'm just people tried to read into that what it's feel no pain specifically says if something would inflict instant death or has the instant death rule having eternal warrior doesn't take away the instant death rule i agree it just says reduced to zero you only reduce your wound total by one yep. it doesn't actually stop the weapon from having instant death yep so it does feel no pain still won't work against it so what what did our patron guys say michael what what are little changes that they said uh so our patron guys uh first thing came from powerful william he says one thing i would like to have changed was the psychic system it's one thing eighth actually got right uh, hey <laughs> <laughs> That's that I'm getting there. That's that's not a minor change. Like that's what I'm getting. Like they may have misunderstood because we're gonna have three major changes that would have required an entire, like almost like you're changing additions. That is one of my things. I promise you. But that's not a minor change. Like right. That was never gonna happen. Port this over. I knew that that wasn't. They weren't gonna just fucking rewrite the whole phase. I I figured they could have rewrote the powers. No problem, because you could still use the same structure yeah. and just yeah. change how the powers work. That's not an issue. But rewriting the entire how the fucking system works, I knew that wasn't going to happen, even though I, I'm with William, it should. That's that's on one of my three major changes going forward if they ever wanted to uh, do an actual like heresy second edition and do almost like a drastic change of the rules, that's in there. But anyway, yeah. go ahead. Is there any minor ones other than uh, that? So I'm just going to read all of them, whether they're minor or large, just so we don't have to go back over it. Okay. 
but uh, powerful John said, uh, "I wish they'd clarified if Ultramarine characters can buy the Legatine Axe if they have Terminator armor and they have to choose their chainsword." And and, and although I know you're going to say that should be in the Legion of Stardust book. But he's saying to specify that for all upgrades, like across the board, uh, just have that as far as uh, as far as war gear upgrades, clarifying it in the main rule book how you're supposed to handle that. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you don't write your you fucking unit entry sloppy, it would never be a question that would have to be addressed <laughs> by the main rule book. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Putting the cart before the horse, there, aren't we, Ryan? <laughs> asking an awful lot there of a small games company aren't we ryan <laughs> yeah small 200 employees small <laughs> uh powerful john also says i wish they would have put all the fortifications in the book they did miss some uh so he, he the i guess the the dark angel uh barbie well, playhouse and... did they i mean they don't maybe they don't want you to take them yeah. i mean like the dark angel fucking fortress of redemption technically wasn't around in the heresy yeah. so uh, I I think it's very deliberate for the void harness to have gotten the boot. That thing's caused a lot of the heart. You mean the shield generator? Oh, the shield generator. I yeah. forgot about the yeah. shield generator. The, yeah. The, yeah. 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 Same I, thing with the fucking landing pad because you can't destroy it. It's like you put it down, but it has no stats. And then if you're underneath it, can you charge through it because you don't have line of sight? Yep. Um, it just there was so many fucking rules conundrums based around that stupid fucking landing pad. It's probably good that it's gone. Like so. I don't know that they actually didn't. Um, I think that they deliberately excluded them. Gotcha. But that's just his wish, Personally. you know. He he does he he wanted that to happen. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and that's 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 it. That's all it question wise. And so the three major see? changes. The three major changes that I would have liked to have seen was exactly what Will said, a total change to the fucking psychic phase. I don't think anyone... So, this psychic phase was essentially adapted from... It was either 7th or 8th... 7th uh, edition. Fantasy 6th edition or 7th edition, because 8th edition is what I actually wanted. It was 7th edition. Yeah. So, 7th edition fantasy had a really shitty magic system, and then Matt Ward wrote the fucking demons book and broke the fucking game where you could have like 50 fucking magic dice and ever it literally pretty much that's what killed in my opinion shit like that is, that was the beginning of the end that's well that's what started it that's what started the max uh exodus from fantasy only the super hardcore stuck around and then eighth came out and actually was a good change to the game but a lot of people had already left and weren't going to come back. Yep. And then because the sales went down, um, Games Workshop quit paying attention to it and literally ignored it for over a year and didn't put any models out. And then because of that, they were like, oh, well, it's not selling, so it justifies Age of Sigmar. Well, like, well, of course, if you don't fucking pay attention to something and ignore it and don't put any new products out, people aren't going to buy it. So yeah. it's like... And then they use that as justification to kill off the old world and make Age of Sigmar. That being said, that shitty magic system is what was adapted to create the psychic phase for 7th edition, which is what we're currently still stuck with, unfortunately. Yep. Mm. So I would have liked to have seen a total overhaul. I mean, I have a ton of suggestions. Mac over at Outer Circle has wrote his own phase. Um, simple way... 
I preferred, I think the best that it was ever in um, 40K was probably fifth. Where, where you just take the leadership it's test. Just the leadership test. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's if you want something simple. I'm I'm willing to like nerd out and go full. Yeah, but people definition. don't want that, right? I mean, right. you're a thousand. So like, that's well, the problem is there's only like two factions in the game that take advantage of it. So if you're playing fucking Iron Warriors, you can mm -hmm. give a fuck about the psychic phase. But but part of why I want the the complex system is because it makes it easier to ratchet up and down the difficulty to cast powers and. I don't know. I, I I would have been happy. Like yeah. if you look at how Cyber Thirdy works, just mm -hmm. fucking make psychic powers. Yeah, because that. that that was the fifth edition. Well, it's Cyber Thirdy is a little different. Cyber Thirdy has leadership. Mod, like the difficulty oh, yeah. is based on the mm -hmm. modifier. So like something that would be quote unquote warp charge two, could be a minus two to your leadership. Yeah. And something that is warp charge quote unquote three, could be minus three to your leadership. Yep. If you pass the leadership check, it goes off. If you don't, it doesn't. It's fucking perils. Boom. Done. Then you go back to uh, Deny the Witch was essentially you had to have something in your army that allowed you to deny the witch. Silly to me. It's like I'm running around with these shitbird militia guys and I have a fucking uh, Araman who's a level four psyker. He casts uh, some type of pyromancy spell on a guardsman. And because the guardsman goes... Because the guardsman tries real hard and the guy gets lucky and rolls a couple sixes. I mean, yeah. He doesn't die in a giant fire. That makes zero yeah. sense. That never happens in the fucking book. It, if, basically, the way it's always worked in the fluff is if you, you shut down a psyker with another psyker or something that shuts down psychic powers. Yep. And if you make the powers reasonable and um, the system streamlined and, and actually make it... You have an actual chance of failure sometimes... Mm -hmm. It's not a big deal that somebody has a level four and you have nothing and you just basically, every time they cast something, you're essentially just taking it. Well, and and to the credit of that streamline theory, I mean, fifth edition, you just wrote down your powers with your army list and it was when you took this cycle, you got to write down this number of powers from a list of like six or 12. And they had their own individual points value. Yeah, you could go back to something like that or you could say, yeah, whatever. There's a bunch yeah. of different ways you could do it, but yeah, yeah it needs a change. It, it doesn't need to be the big shit box that it is now. Um, the other one is uh, wound allocation. I think wound allocation is a fucking mess in 7th edition. If you get used to it and you're removing models from the front, it's fine. The problem is it's super fucking tedious. If you got the closest guys in, a, in ruins, so he gets a 4-up, and then the next guy's in the open, then the next guy's in trees, which is a 5-up, then the next guy is a 2-up armor save, and you have to do, so I do 12 wounds to the unit. I have to roll this guy one at a time. Then the next guy one at a time. Then the next guy one at a time. Then the fucking, then I get to the character and I roll it one at a time. Plus look out, sir. That might be look out. Like it's just fucking dumb. Like fifth edition was rolled the wound. If I did 12 wounds to you with bolters, um, I went to the unit. Um, well, let's use the example of nine wounds. So say I did nine bolter yeah. wounds. To a unit of 10 guys, I would just say, I'm taking this, these nine wounds on these nine bolter guys. I'd roll, I'd fail three. I'd remove any the models from any fucking wear in the squad I wanted yeah. to. That's it. The reason that fifth edition, the one point of failure that that wound allocation system has was you had to create pools based on how the models were armed. Yep. So like if you had multiple wound models that were all armed different, you could get some real... I'm not going to explain a fully outwork, but you could fuck things up. Yeah. Just get rid of that and instead 
replace it with you create a different wound pools if it has a different profile. Oh, per save type or per profile? Per profile. Okay. There's nothing that has a different save type that's not the same profile. That's fair. Yeah. So like if you so what that means is if you took ten wounds on a ten man tactical unit, you would set one wound aside for the sergeant and the other nine wounds would go for the basic guys. You would yep. roll nine dice and you roll one die. Yep. That would be it. And that would and so and then if you had an apothecary to that unit and that unit took eleven wounds or more, you would have to go one for the sergeant, one for the apothecary, nine for the other guys. Yeah. But it would go so much faster. I bet you would cut a half hour to an hour off every fucking game. Yep. It would get rid of a lot of which models closer. Uh, and it would most importantly eliminate Lookout Sir, which is one of my least favorite fucking aspects of the Lookout game. Sir takes more time than the entire figuring out who's closest. Shitty mechanic. It's like you can tank, you can put a guy out there, tank a ton of fucking wounds. Um, it also makes uh, Precision Shot fucking useless. Yep fifth edition the other thing was precision shot didn't exist yep. so with the addition of precision shot and precision strikes and changing where it was profiles not armed differently you you could have made this feel like an entirely different game and it would be so much faster and people who think eighth is streamlined you would be running circles around eighth edition games just by changing wound allocation in seventh it would yep. play much faster yep um the last thing which may be controversial um, but I fucking hate it is less random things that should be just a set statistic, uh, mainly charge distance. I fucking hate random charge distances. There's nothing worse than being literally right up on the fucking enemy, two inches away, rolling snake eyes, and then due to whatever modifiers, you don't make the charge. It's fucking dumb. You, there's already so many penalties to try to get to assault. You get overwatched. It's hard to get there. Uh, there's a huge risk involved. It's it's already shooting is already so far superior from a strategic standpoint yeah. of a way to kill the enemy. Like assault needs all the help it can get, and the fucking random shit is annoying. And same thing with weapon profiles that like your Scorpus Whirlwind. If it sits stationary, it gets D three plus one. How about just make it three? Yeah. I figure mean, out whether you want the two or three shots. Yeah, why do I have to roll dice to see how many dice I roll? Like, yeah. it's just like there's a lot of that. Like, uh, this weapon, uh, if it hits and does like the the little bio the exoshock rule, if you score a pin, roll a die on a four plus, it then does another hit. It's like, just have it do it. Like, do we really like? When well, we we brought a little of that up with uh, psychic powers, with your warlord traits, with all all this stuff that like, especially when you're just trying to sit down and set up the game. Yeah, I randomly roll my warlord trait that then I have to randomly roll a number of units that get something. Thousand sons. Okay, now I gotta go through ten different units of my army that generate between one and five powers, and I'm gonna... Yeah, just there's a lot of that random shit that... Thousand sons in, in 40k. I'd be 30 minutes, and I'd just tell the other guy, hey, my units are on the table. I'll... Roll for I, I how feel their powers like work here in a I feel like Games Workshop use they try to use randomness as some type of weird control balance balance well something that's like well it'll feel more fun and not as serious or more beer and pretzels and set the tone it, more if we it breaks down your ultra competitive mechanics but not it's just it, it's more annoying than anything like you know if if I didn't have to roll for my fucking Sakaran or whatever would that really make me 
more of a competitive i'm that was more of a that's possibly i mean you're, you're still gonna have 99 percent of the game is based on die rolling because you're still rolling to hit i'm not yeah. saying all that yeah i'm just saying a lot of these secondary abilities or shit whatever that just doesn't i mean nick put it best i don't have to roll every turn to see how far my bolter shoots why the fuck do i have to see how far my guys charge yeah it's kind of shitty so anyway that's those are the three major changes i would have put in less fucking random rolling shit on a bunch of shit totally change the psychic phase and change wound allocation um runner up is fucking challenges i fucking hate challenges that's controversial about i think those that's probably 50 50 some people love it they think it's super themey hmm. like if you have to keep them in dial them down to like a few specific characters well i think some of my hatred of it is the fact that the rules are written so yep. shitty and it can be gamed and all that but it still is what it is like 30k considering you're playing two sides of the same coin which would have the same cultural background and the same language um, I really had a problem with it in 40k where I had Necrons challenging a fucking Hive Tyrant. And how would they know? <laughs> um, how would the fucking Gaunts know not to attack the guy? Yeah. And like, then they had the stupid mechanic that if you had X amount of extra Gaunts, they cheered. So did they like wave their fucking claws and go <laughs> cheer? And then how did the Necron Warriors cheer on the Necron Lord? Did they just stand there motionless? And like zero zero one one zero one. Yeah, or stamp their feet, or like I don't know. It was just dumb. Like it just doesn't seem whatever. But that's a totally different conversation. So I'm yeah. sure the patron guys had stuff to say about that. Maybe. No, no. It says, what about fantasy style charging? Six inches plus D6 or 2D6 for cav, beast, etc. That's probably too far. I thought of that too. Like that's, we, me and Nick were kind of discussing it. We think that it should probably be three plus a D6. And then for uh, like bikes and cavalry, they could just move, you know, six plus a D6, move a little further or whatever, but. Whatever. In fantasy, it wasn't a big deal to have that long charge range, I guess, because the whole game was essentially based around close combat. Shooting was the secondary way of dealing damage. Yeah. So, made the game happen faster, so it wasn't whatever. I think that's the other problem with these random charge ranges is you make... It, for the most part, it weakens assault, but then sometimes you have these really freak fucking things where you have shit that all of a sudden is 18 inches across the board which is like, then your opponent wants to gloat because they beat you, and it's like, oh, great, yeah, look, you... Yeah, you rolled boxcars the one time. Yeah, it's like, whatever. Like, yeah, I, exactly. I don't know. It it, it's it just takes... volatile all the way around. Yeah, it's just not great. Like, I would just be... I don't know what Games Workshop's obsession with making that don't have to be random, random. Like, I understand it's a tactical board game. You're going to have to have dice rolls. It's not chess. Um, But there's already enough rolling in the game without you inventing like nine stupid fucking tables or weapons that you have to roll three dice to get a result and that kind of shit. Like I'm over it. Please don't do that uh, anymore. Dan, Dan said he would not mind the Necromunda way, which is the move plus a D three for charge. Yeah, that'd be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Be less random. Yeah. Yeah. So other than that, man, it's pretty much it. I really like the book. I can't wait to get it. Um, 
we've stated it before, but man, it's such a load off that it's not tied to 40k anymore where you had a totally different design studio that could change something at any moment and fuck up what you're doing or throw the community in a disarray. They drop a FAQ or they drop a new Death from the skies powers or new psychic power. And then everybody wants to question, well, do we use this now? Do we not use this now? Um, or if you're using an, like, for example, you were using a Bane blade entry and then for 40 K they came out with a new Imperial armor book that had a new Bane blade. Do you use that one now? Uh, all that's gone. Now, they write the rules they want to write, whatever. Just go look at our FAQs. And, I mean, I can even go through and put stars next to them that were, those. a lot of those questions are specifically caused because 6 changed the 7th or something in the FAQ changed something that was directly, it had nothing to do with the Forge World Design Team, had nothing to do with Heresy, Heresy FAQ, because a different design studio that has nothing to do with heresy, you know, changes shit. Yep. And then if you look at the way, I'm not going to comment on it, whether it's positive or negative, but if you just look at the way that uh, 40K is now, they literally change the rules by the week. Um, yep. And they actually change the core rules. I think they're on schedule to do it like twice a year. Um, look at how long it takes Forge World to address that put a book out, um, answer FAQs and all that. Now imagine the main studio moving at the pace they're moving at and then the 20 heresy guys trying to keep up with all the constant fucking changes. Imagine that. Yeah. How would that ever no. work? It wouldn't. I mean, I think right now the safest, like if you're playing 8th edition 40K, the safest units to buy are the Forge World ones because you know it's going to take so long for them to get updated. And like they will probably not get nerfed as, as quick. Yeah. And I mean, and this doesn't have anything to do with heresy, but uh pro tip for games workshop. If it was my, it was my company, I would probably say uh, for Forge world makes whatever models they want and then writes heresy rules for it. If it's heresy. And then the games workshop design studio, even though it's not their model, they still write the Forge World it's rules. It's their responsibility to make it fit in their system. Yes, because right now, as it is, they put that load on Forge World, and Forge World has to write both the 40K rules and 30K rules for that one unit. And I think that splits their focus too much. And also, just from a time constraint with the number of employees, I don't really yep. think they have time for that. So yep. I, I think it would benefit 40K more and benefit 30K more if one design team wrote all the rules for the units, whether they made the fucking models or not, I don't know why it matters. I don't know why if Forge World sells the fire after, why they have to be the one to fucking design the rules for it. It doesn't... Whatever. That's just me. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> yep, that's a powerful rant. So... <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that's it. I love the book. I love where it's going. Fucking super reinvigorated. Uh, got everything I wanted out of this book, plus some fucking gems that we got. Like the the Lord of Wars being clarified is fucking awesome. I love that. Uh, yeah, all good stuff. I like it. I like that the the fortifications being clarified. Because that was another thing. Like when they come out with something like the shipping containers that has fucking storm bolters on it, people want to use it for Hersey. Is it? I mean, not that it was game breaking. It was just like. Do we use this or do we not? Well, now these are the ones you get um, until Forge World puts out data sheets for these other ones. Yep. These are the ones you get. 
like shit like that. It's just, it's nice. It's just nice. I love it. Yeah, we have a rock to stand on now. You know, it's not this shaky ground. Yep. And then new players coming in, they say, what do I need? You need this book, and you need your relevant army book. And that's what you need. That's all you need to play. No worries, boys. No worries. We're not going to have to sell you five different books. Yeah, no kidding. I do wish they made a small version of this book, the little the little mini version. I would like that, but you know, you can only ask for so much. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll uh maybe we'll get one if they uh they ever do another box game. I think Games Workshop's done with making plastic marines in that scale, but that's just me. <laughs> exactly. But Anyway, so that's all we got, guys. Uh, yep. If you have any questions uh, about this uh, this review that we did or you have any concerns you'd like to send in, you can send us an email, michael at warhammer30k.com or ryan at warhammer30k.com. Uh, if you're listening to this, you're brand new to the Heresy, uh, check out our Facebook page, Radio Frist Van on Facebook. Uh, as well, on our normal show and our normal episodes we do, we do also have a voicemail uh, that we do play. Uh, all the voicemails on our show. So if you have any questions that you want to call us instead of writing out, uh, 209-RFI-30K0 is our number. Uh, you can shoot us a voicemail. Uh, if you are international, of course, you can just uh, uh, record yourself and email that voice recording and send it to us. A lot of people do that as well. Uh, we do play all of our questions on air, and we do answer them during the normal show. Uh, this is a special edition show, uh, so it comes out of the normal show. So I hope you enjoyed it. Share it with your friends. Uh, thank you for all of our, uh, our Patreon subscribers that, uh, that tagged along with us in this episode. We got all of them in the chat. Uh, we, we played it live in front of them so they can answer, ask questions while we we're doing it. Uh, we definitely appreciate you guys. Um, but that's all I got. Just normal plug stuff. Yeah, thank you, Forge World, for this book. It's fucking awesome. I solid A. Um, yeah, been waiting a long time. It was definitely worth the wait. I'm definitely you know, happy with it. Thank you so much, Forge World. Uh, it, uh, I definitely, definitely appreciate this rule book. It, it's fantastic. And also, thanks, Alistair, for putting up with me droning on in his ear for five and a half fucking hours when it was like two in the morning where he was at. Powerful Alistair. Powerful Legionalized um, podcast, guys. Go give them a check. Go check them out. Uh, very cool. Very, very awesome group of dudes right there. And uh, they can also get you a closer patch if you need it. If you're in the UK. For hanging out with us. Uh, don't don't thank me. I'm happy accident. Person. This is happy accident right here. This is fucking Bob Ross special. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Chris, Chris, I don't you're still alive. You're still alive. I, I don't want to tell you. We hope so. We hope you're still alive. If you're still alive, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, you old bastard. If, if you're not alive, I feel really bad about this. I feel really bad for saying that because you're not with us anymore. And I miss you greatly and I would cry. Don't haunt him. <laughs> don't you haunt me. So. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll go ahead and cut out to some music and uh, appreciate you boys coming for the ride. Later, guys. Thank you.
Thank you.